who 35 to 44 had not walked and within two hours um, she stood up on her own and walked down the hallway to the vending machine and got me a soda and walked back okay guys uh welcome back to the great america show this week we're going to be talking uh, a little more healing i think this is uh, the last of our little healing splurge here with no Ms. it's not actually isn't it no 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 we got uh, the shaman but that's a yeah that's a little less healing that's a really good one the shaman one i really like that one actually this one's really good too um, it's definitely not what you expect. So you guys will thoroughly enjoy it. And that's Patty Conklin we're talking about. Yeah, I said that. No, no, I don't think you did. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, we've got our buddies over at Expanded Perspectives joining us for our intro this week. Cam and Hale, how's it going, guys? Well, I hey. should. I guess we should introduce Graham first. The great Graham. No, we're not going with great this year. We're going with grimy, grimy, <laughs> grimy Graham. Graham. <laughs> hey, Darren, and uh, hey, guys from Expanded Perspectives. Good to have you on. Hey, guys. Hey guys. What's happening? Welcome to Grand America. Yeah, we're gonna th- try to steal some of this cool weather from y'all. Uh, it's supposed to be it. hot tomorrow. I was out golfing today. It was hot. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Oh yeah, I wasn't <laughs> out golfing today. <laughs> <laughs> He's told on himself. He called in sick. Yeah. <laughs> so how you guys been? How's things uh, other than the weather? Is everything else going great down there? The show's going good. I hear you guys are going to be on. Uh, is it Dark Matters Radio or something like that? Ooh. Yeah, we just got picked up by them, and we're doing really good. Uh, we're having a lot of success down here with the show. We just got picked up by Dark Matters Radio. They're just re-airing our normal show, so we're not doing a live show oh. or anything. It's just a re-air of our show that comes out on Mondays. But it's uh, right now it's being broadcast on Monday nights, I think, uh, 11 p.m. your time. And then they replay it throughout the day uh, on Tuesday a couple times, like once or twice. Wow. And so we've only, it's only been out this week. It just started. So I've only got to hear one episode, uh, but it sounds really cool. So we're, we're excited to have it out there. Hopefully it'll get us some more listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for people, we can get out there for people that don't know about it, is it dark matters like internet radio type thing or is it actual? So explain that a little bit. Yeah. It's an internet radio uh, program. They right. have a bunch of different shows on there. Uh, like South, uh, spooky South coast, uh, What's some of those other ones with Howard Hughes? What's that one called? Kim? The Unexplained. The Unexplained with Howard Hughes. Oh, and they have yeah, a bunch okay. of live shows. They have a bunch of live shows that they right. run on there, too. I think Bill Burns, one of his live shows is on there. Hmm. So would you guys ever think about doing live internet? Man, I don't know. Probably, I would have to say probably not. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I just, I, yeah. I don't think I would. I, I, I like mean, to, yeah. I like to have that when I, cause I make a lot of mistakes. I like to be able to have that cushion to fall back on. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, well, fuck, we don't edit out our mistakes anyway. So <laughs> yeah, we've shows. done a couple of live, uh, live shows on other shows, but uh, as far as doing it ourselves, I don't think we're tech savvy enough to even pull it off. So it'd probably be a disaster. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, at least not now. We're not either am I saying never, but for now, I think we're going to keep it the way it is. <laughs> I'm just like a monkey that learned to drive. 
<laughs> so well, you guys I'm, sound I'm, like you got a you're tech savvy. Your show your show's really good quality. It sounds great. You guys have a good show, by the way. Well, thanks, well, guys. Thank you. Well, that's what we were talking about. We enjoy it. We enjoy getting on because I mean, y- y'all are some of the guys that kind of get us kicked off to wanting to do it too. Because we were listening to y'all and everything. We're like, man, let's do it too. It sounds fun. So, and it just got crazy. So y'all are kind of part of the inspiration. An excuse to bullshit with other. That's people. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. As good as the show sounds, it's all luck. I swear we just stumbled into it. We still learn new things every week. There's still buttons that I don't know what they do don't, yet. Don't. He was moving <laughs> his hand over by the board. I'm like, don't, man. Because it's we've done it in the past. It's got a lot of lights on it, and they're pretty, and, and they move, and, and Kyle gets drawn in like a moth to the flame. And he's like, watch, watch, watch that when I does this. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> a largemouth bass, anything shiny, flashing, I'm attracted by it. Like a crow. He's like, oh, he's got to pick it up shiny and keep it. <laughs> Get away from that. Crows never forget a face. <laughs> Cal does, so it's. I guess that's completely out of it. <laughs> Maybe he's more of a raven. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so, the ravens don't really get the credit that crows do. Is there a difference? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ravens, is there? ravens are raptors, I think, aren't they? Velociraptors? No, just I don't know. Part you, of the this is y'all's lie. Tell it however you want to. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got to fucking Google it now. Yeah. That's the called ornithology, and that is the study of birds. I have no clue. No clue. This isn't the first time we've had birds on Wikipedia. Oh, they are similar species, crows and ravens. Nice. Yeah, I have no clue. So, so you guys, like, what, uh, what kind of stuff do you guys have coming up? What kind of topics are you going to be talking about or any guests? Pretty much a, a little bit of everything, anything and everything. I mean, we're going to... We bounce around. I mean, we try to have, you know, ancient history because that's, you know, what we're into. And then right. we do the paranormal. We do crypto. We have to do ufology. I mean, there's so many subjects that we do one thing. We'll get into one story and then it, you know, it spider webs off to another. And then it, we're drawn to that one. And then we do that. And then we bounce to this. And that, and I think that's what makes it so much fun is, is just a mixture. It's not, you know, trying to get stuck in track in one thing. It's looking at everything. I mean, that's the whole idea is it's so much of these stories out there that, really are just kind of unknown, really just, you know, you, you don't really have a, an explanation for it. And that's what, that's what we enjoy, but we've got a little bit of everything coming up. I mean, I don't, oh man. Uh, some of our guests coming up is uh, Albert Rosales. He has oh, yeah. a, a flying humanoid website. He's got over yeah. 17,000 cases on his website. Oh yeah. So he's got like the true compendium of anything, uh, you know, flying humanoid. Is that inexplicata? No. No. Oh man, what I'm, I can't think of his website right now. Just Google search it. RPJ is in the up. chat room. He is the Google. Yeah, okay. He'll, he'll, he'll have it up there in like two seconds. Yeah, he'll know. Did him. you know, guys, in Texas, you have the Chihuahua and Raven? The no. What? <laughs> Never heard Chihuahua of it. Chihuahua in Raven. In Raven? What do you mean in Raven? Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Chihuahua, like a dog. Like it's like a I just like to listen Chihuahua. to him try to say it. Yeah. Chihuahua. Is that like the scientific name for it? Or? <laughs> Oh, that's fucking ravenous, chihuahuanistus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so getting um, all technical on me now. All right, here we go. So it sounds like you guys are kind of along the same lines as us, kind of not not just sticking with the paranormal and that, but but kind of more anything on the fringe type thing. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, your show is a perfect example of what we try to do. Um, we try to have a broad range of different people. Another guest we have coming on soon is a woman named Jen. Jen Deviller. And she's a she makes handmade Ouija boards, and she's like the master of Ouija boards. And she's got all kinds of cool stories uh, having to do with these custom homemade uh, Ouija boards. And they're really neat. They're all old and made of wood, and 
There's some neat stories. So hopefully we can get into that. And she's going to be coming on in about three weeks. Did you get one shipped yet at all? Or? Well, at, we we actually met her at one of the one of the lecture <sighs> circuits that we went to and talked to her about them and the whole thing. But what we want to do, we're going to hit her up about getting one built that actually has the show logo and the show name and everything. Cause <sighs> We're not going to use it. We're going to hang it. I don't want to. I'm just. I'm still nervous. That's why I got to talk to her more about it because those things kind of give me the willies. But I want to put it in the studio and hang it up. <laughs> yeah, I can't get. I. I. I don't think I want a Ouija board in the house. Didn't you? Somebody. And, you just told me somebody was supposed to ship one here. Well, they just want us to sign it and send it back. Oh, fuck. We're not going to use it. We're not going to use it. No, we just don't use the fucking thing. I don't think <laughs> he's going to touching send, it, signing it, and putting plaster. your energy signature no, all not, over it. Yeah, and then I'm you're, it back. Like you're basically that's the problem. Now they know where you are. Yeah, I'm scared of them too, Graham. Don't I, I don't good, like them. I, they're very creepy to me. I would never play. I played with one as a child. I got freaked out. And never went back. Yeah, the good we thing played, about we played it one is in, with one in school, and we got freaked out. Is that Jen gets them blessed? <laughs> Jen. Well, the, the woman, Jen. She, oh, she has a, <laughs> yeah, not, Jen. not the Jen. <laughs> Stop talking about that, right Jen now. Jen are blessing Ouija boards now. Uh, are you, yeah. But she actually has them blessed and all that stuff and talks about what she does. And that's, I can't wait to get into it with her because just like that, you bring it up. It's one of those almost, it's like a taboo subject, even in the paranormal circles with a lot of people. Is there just like, just like we're talking, I don't want it around me. I don't know. And I don't know enough about it to either be okay with it around me or not. But that's why I'm going to talk to her. Well, and, he, and everybody's had a, some experience with a Ouija board. Even if you're not into paranormal, most kids when they were young played with one. So everybody can relate to it, you know, so whether it's really working or not, which I think they do, um, mm -hmm. they are creepy. So, huh. wow. yeah, I don't, don't want to miss Ouija. You know, I'm no, I'm not doing it. Have you have you ever noticed how Aaron says a Ouija, a Ouija board? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he even pronounces it different from Ben. We're talking about the mysterious universe guys, but I just oh, so it's Scott Corrales from Inexplicata. Yeah. PJ, our own, own encyclopedia. So, so let's tell tell us about uh, your plans. Then you guys are going to uh, introduce uh, an extra episode. How are you going to make that work? Well, what we ended up doing was just from the feedback, everybody was coming after us and asking us. You know, we we like the show. We'd like to get more shows. So we we're like, well, if we think we can do it, we would love to do it. But like we said, everything starts changing after that, and we don't want to inundate the show that we have now with a lot of commercials to help offset everything. So we're like, look, we'll just do it straight paid for, you know, subscription service. We offer a free show every Monday hour, you know, hour and a half to our 15 hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to offer a paid for show, the same length, same thing, same, you know, basically the same, everything that's the show on Monday. You just get an extra show during the week, five bucks a month. And uh, the very first one of those will be released uh, August 7th. I, we're not, we're going to fire it up. This, this August 1st is when it'll be up on the website and all that stuff. And August 7th will be the first release of the Expanded Perspectives Elite show. So, and, and we're still going to do all of our, everything that we normally do on Mondays for the free shows and all that. Still going to do the interviews. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to hide interviews on the paid for service and thing. All it's going to be is an extra show of doing extra segments and extra, you know, just new and wild stuff that we like to get into. So, like so, I said, we're just trying to add it. 
So it'll be just extra content, same same type of content. So you're not going to yep. really do anything different. Just you're going to go nope. push another episode out every month, basically. That's yep. That's exactly right. So, so there'll be four extra a month. There'll be an extra episode every week. every week. Yeah, oh. we're gonna do two. We're doing yeah. It's actually an ep- an extra show every week. So you get yeah, however oh. many's in there every Thursday <laughs> for the month. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So if you subscribe uh, to Expanded Perspectives Elite, you should at least be if that and the free show, you should be getting at least eight episodes a month. Now there are some months like October. Uh, that have extra five Thursdays yeah. in it. So you'll be getting an extra show you there. You still only so. get eight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but we're not doing any hidden shows. We're not doing any uh, uh, extra blogs or any extra features. It's just another normal show. So if you like the show on Monday, it'll be the exact same thing on Thursday. Wow, that's a lot of extra work for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like we said, like Cam was saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's you know, the Taco Bell, it's about the same thing. Um like Cam was saying, we've been getting tons of email. People, the only complaint they have is they want more shows. And much as you guys know, uh, it actually costs money to do a podcast. And so by doubling up on shows, it's going to even double our costs. So the only way to offset that is a bunch of annoying commercials or to actually charge shows. So we're just going to charge a small amount to try to offset those those costs. So Right, right. So we'll yeah, see we how just it, got fucking hammered by our website provider. I'm not going to mention any fun. names, but they just uh, they, they want us to multiply our bill by six now per month in order to handle the newfound. Yeah, I just got a letter today uh, about renewing the domain name we have, and they've like tripled the price that I paid the first time. I'm like, okay, I see how it works. <laughs> yeah, and then thanks. next year it'll be ten times that. And then yeah. once they got you, they know you can't cancel because you got a you go you got a show going. <laughs> So Red Red Pill Junkie's got a name for your your extra episode. He's, he's calling it "Expanding the Expanded Perspectives." <laughs> That's a good expanded, one. Expanded expanded perspectives. There you go. Yeah. Expanding. <laughs> expanded ding ding ding. Yeah, I'm down. So I don't so, know how to spell it. So I mean, obviously, you, you guys aren't a, a, a company here. Like Darren and I do this ourselves too. So we know how much work it actually is trying to schedule things. I mean, that can be a huge challenge. So you guys are confident you'll have all the, you know, enough uh, quality guests lined up and that type of thing. Do you guys have anybody helping you out with that? And it's it's all me and Kyle. This whole thing. Wow. Everything that we do is. You know, getting all the books, getting all the information, contacting the people. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much Kyle and I both work solo where we both where we work. He works for himself. I work for the for the municipality here, but we both work solo. So there's times that you have a little downtime here or there that you're able to send, you know, emails. You're able to do that during the day. So it's touching base and getting yeah. things set up. But, yeah, yeah. it's it's oh, man, mad. I'd kill I mean, to have you know, somebody to help me out. Even just, I couldn't. Yeah, I can do even, this all by myself. <laughs> I can't even Shut get up. like my wife to go buy batteries for the equipment and things that we have. You kidding? My <laughs> wife doesn't even listen to the show. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So there's we're getting no help. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Have you guys noticed any like uh time foolery in the studio? Tom foolery? Like, time foolery. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good you just one. fucking stepped on my shit again. <laughs> well, I, well, you, you didn't you surprised me with this verbiage. With time foolery? We have had some strange things happen. In the studio, we're talking to different people. We've had some, some oh, yeah. Th- yeah, some strange things happen with computers going down, things that, you know, and it's only a, a, a certain few people. We've had uh, uh, things actually move in the studio, like, you know, just like a little something we had brought and set down, and it's been not moving for four or five hours, you know, or a day. It's just sitting there, and then during the interview, it just falls over. And you're kind of like, what is going on? Huh. Our studio is never clean enough to tell if anything's yeah. moved. 
<laughs> I was just gonna say, I wish we could get something moved around here. But we know at the bottom of a bird cage. It doesn't matter how fucking early we try and get on to talk to a guest. Like, okay, we'll try and be in the studio by quarter after six so that we're prepared. We've done all our tests, and it seems like you sit down and you blink your eye, and all of a sudden it's five to seven. Mm-hmm. You haven't done your test yet. Time time seems to go a little extra fast in the studio. The good thing is Kyle and I only live maybe 200 yards apart. I mean, we don't we don't live. So whenever we need to get together and discuss anything, it's not like we have a long travel place or anything to have to go do. We can legitly walk over to each other's house, sit down and actually have a, a good conversation, bring in materials and all that stuff. So and then, of course, with our kids and our wives and all, I mean, it's one of those things we can all get together and it can be a family ordeal as we as him and I sit here and hash things out. Hmm. Sweet. Yeah, we don't quite have that luxury, but oh. we but we work together. So that helps. That, yeah. Do you guys try to record like the same time every week or does it just vary on your schedule? Yeah, we, we did. try to, we did. but and it's it pretty all over the place. Yeah. We try yep. and stick with Tuesdays, but now it's, it seems like it's been forever since we even did a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> we what tried for a little do? while. We tried for a little while of, of a set time, but it's, it's, I just find it's better to be flexible. Especially doing this, it's better to be flexible for whoever your your guest is. However, things are going, it seems to work out better if you just kind of let it fly and see how it goes. That's what we do exactly. We say, hey, we we prefer to record on this night, but we'll do any night of the week. Like basically, we'll clear our schedule to to talk yeah. to somebody. Yeah, know, if that's we can. Yeah, we have the same thing. Especially we're we're interviewing someone from overseas or something. It could be you know eight or nine hour difference. So we have to get together sometimes on Saturday mornings or or whatever fits their schedule. So it really is hard to do just the same time every week. Have you had to do like a 2 a.m. or yet? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. We haven't had any 2 a.m. ones. I think we've, we've had, done we've early had, morning. But... We've done one 2 a.m. and one at like 11.40 at night. The 2 a.m. Wow. one was tough because we I made made the mistake of going to sleep for a couple hours and then waking Ooh. up. So I was just like, hey, guys. For... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's one of those no-no's. Don't ever catch you a couple hours nap and then try to get up and be sharp. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> Do you guys have any of your favorite uh, episodes or, or people that you, you're going to have back again for sure, that type of thing? Well, we've got, uh, oh, yeah, we've got several guys that are going to come back, and we've talked to a bunch, you know, but I'm trying to, I guess my favorite one, and Kyle and I discussed this not long ago, my personal favorite one, and I've enjoyed every one of them. You know, you always enjoy every guy you learn from, yeah, all the yeah. people but my personal favorite one would probably be John Anthony West. And it was because solely because I was a high school student when I saw that first documentary with him and Robert Schock. And, and I, and I don't get me wrong. I loved Robert Schock's interview. I love talking to Robert. It was great, but there's just something about the John Anthony West is like that grandpa essence that you're like, man, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy. I mean, he's, to me, I mean, a lot of people don't know who he is. You know, they know Robert Shock and Graham Hancock and stuff, but they don't know John. And John's one of the guys that, I mean, actually pioneered the movement towards the water erosion on the Sphinx. I mean, He's the one that got Shock involved, deal. actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, you know, he read Schwaller de Lubitsch. He read that old book in the, like the 40s, and, he, and that's one thing that just rolled it into another one, into another one, and it was just – it was neat to get to talk to him. And it, it almost feels like if you got to shake hands with, with Babe Ruth or something is the way it feels to me. Right. So I would have to say that John's probably one of my, fa- probably my favorite one. One of personal favorites. But sometimes that's not the fans' favorites. And then sometimes, you know, we did episodes and the fans really enjoy somebody that I didn't 
enjoy as much. So yeah. it's really it's hard to tell, you know, what's your favorite personally or or what was the show's most successful. Um, my personal favorite is anybody. I wouldn't say one person. I really liked John, but I also liked uh, Rick Osman. Uh, I really enjoy anything pre-Columbian North American history is probably my favorite subject. Hmm. And uh, it's probably just because it's so, you know, tangible. I'm, I'm, I live in North America like you guys, so it's something I can go outside and look at these old sites around the area we live in. And you just wonder, you know, what was going on 45,000 years ago? Yeah, yeah. The, I've never seen a UFO or anything like that. So I've never seen a Sasquatch. So those, I mean, I'm interested in those subjects, but to me, it doesn't grab me as tightly as ancient history. Cool. And of course, like I said, you start you're talking about the UFOs. There's interviews. Like I love talking to Nick Redfern. I love talking. We talked to Ken Gerhard. We talked to Lyle Blackburn. Those guys are great. You start going through all those things like that. And it's, I love it. I can sit and talk to all those guys about all kinds of stories. You know, like with Nick with conspiracy and things, you know, and it beats you down. You're like, oh, I can't, you know, it makes your head hurt. But I'm with Kyle. It's probably the history. That's the one thing that draws me. And giants know. specifically. I, I'm fascinated by the yeah. giants. Hmm. Yeah, I really like the fucking history ones too. But I still think Elvidge and Elvidge is one of my all-time favorites. On yeah, we've got that some. digital universe shit blows my mind. On <laughs> yeah, all those elves, fairy folk stories and stuff. Those are cool. Huh. So, so what about uh, your future? So, you guys want to keep doing this for as long as possible, sort of thing? Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm down. That's what yeah. I told Kyle. Is this has kind of gotten to be now? What started out as something fun, it was one of those deals. You know, let's see if we can do it. Let's yeah, yeah. Is is it was we we wanted to do a show that I don't guess we really set out to be different or the same or anything. We just wanted to do a show. We just wanted yeah. to get out and see if we could do it. And now it's become like part of our lives. It's kind of become like you know this is kind of like you know talking about going golfing or something it's almost like you become obsessed with it and that's kind of where we've gotten into and just like i mean hanging and talking to you guys it's we've made a lot of friends you know you got all these listeners we talked to you guys and got friends all these authors we talked to it's a big broad friendship that normally you may not have ever made if not for today's modern technology and i think that's what makes it so much fun so i vote yes i'm probably going to do this and especially with this yahoo i'll do this from 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 now on till I'm, I guess till I'm dead. I don't care. I'll do it for 20 years. If it keeps going, I'll keep doing it. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it. Um, I didn't know it would be this fun when I first started. It was just seeing if we could even physically do it. And we've kind of created a monster cause it's taken off and now yeah. it, we're like stuck in it. We can't get out and, and I don't want to get out. I love it. Yeah. You know, every, every day I have interaction with people and like yeah. he was saying, it's fun to work with other shows. You know, we never look at other shows as competition. We look at it as like a collaboration. We can all help each other with listeners. I mean, there's, there's, you know, tons of people we can all work together and I think it'll make every show better working with you guys, working with uh, Micah Hanks yeah. and Jim Harold and stuff. It, it, I, all of us together and everybody's been so nice. Everybody's been so helpful. We've yeah, had yeah. no, you know, nobody really dissing us. I totally We're not agree. really wanting to. I totally agree about the collaboration. We got trolled on YouTube a couple of times. <laughs> so that's going to happen. That's where they live. You can't feed them <laughs> yeah, down there. Yeah, we had on a, YouTube. Yeah, we yeah. had a couple emails where people told us our show was garbage and you know stuff like that but you know we just killed them with kindness we just wrote them back we're like hey man we're sorry you didn't like it you know yeah yeah that's <laughs> good yeah i like the collaboration part too i mean my my thought is is we should be trying to to uh <clears throat> help each other find more people that would normally not listen to this kind of stuff to do it instead of competing over what little market share there is really right yeah well and you got to think about the listenership too is i want the listeners 
to be entertained. I want them to get the good information, the things that they want to hear. Like we were talking off air, we were all complaining about cable television. And did you get all these channels and there's nothing on, you know, or you only watch four or five channels? Well, if all of you guys would get together and maybe help each other out, you would be able to give a solid product to your listenership or your viewing audience. And I think that's what working together does yeah. is it allows everybody to, it's a win-win for everybody and being nice never hurt ever. So, you know, it's just, I think the cross promotion is really good. In fact, if all these shows keep growing together, uh, maybe red pill can put together his own like uh, internet radio network and we can all be part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of the same network. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I, I've thought of that type of thing too. Us sort of banding to some sort of uh, some sort of network eventually. Yeah, like the Four Horsemen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so are you guys going to Paradigm Symposium this year? Man, I don't know. We've talked about it and all that stuff. We kicked it around at first, yes, then no, then yes. Yeah, yeah. Man, I still don't know. It's still up in the air with us right now. It just depends on. It depends on a lot of things. Depends on the family. Depends on how everything works depends out. Depends a lot on how this stuff. subscription show goes, yeah. really. It, it yeah, may right. end up, we're probably going to be slammed. That's what we, we're kind of expecting is this first, this first at least six months to a year is going to take, at least the first six months is going to take some getting used to in the, the scheduling to, to be able to do two, you know, edited, ready-to-go shows, everything ready to go oh, a week. Yeah. It's going to be, and still have full-time jobs. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we're still working full-time, and then, you know, and then you still got to fit in. You know, if, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So you got to fit in time with the family and then you still got to find time to do all this. So, yeah, we we took a big bite and, I, you know, we're going to see if it works. We're going to make sure it works out, even if we go with a lot less sleep than normal. Yeah, well, hopefully you guys can make it down there. We can uh, we can all have a beer together. We're not Graham. Graham can have a coffee. Well, that'll be trouble right there. We all get together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Somebody's got to bring bail money. Graham, you're you're in charge of holding the keys and the bail money. All right. <laughs> and we're, we're going to stick the mushrooms in your butt. <laughs> I might I might get high from that, buddy. Be some it's ayahuasca the coffee. Broke. <laughs> Graham's tripping balls. Yeah, he's flying yeah. off the top of that building. Keistered. He keistered all of the mushrooms to get them down here like he was going to prison, and then uh-oh, it didn't work out for him. <laughs> Looking at the machine elves. That's right. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like a movie script right there. <laughs> Here we go. I'm jotting it down right now. Yeah. Johnny Depp can play me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so you your could, show's going good, huh? Uh, not bad. Yeah, it's going good. Can't complain, yeah. 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 Your, your lineup, your guest lineup is awesome, man, I have to tell you. Our website provider tends to disagree, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, it can't, it's one of those, it's very similar to your story. I mean, we started out just for fun, see if we could do it, talk to interesting people and it just started snowballing on its own. And now it's just a part of our lives and, and we're totally, you know, into it. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't really want to stop. So it, it's almost like a release. Kyle and I talk about it. It's one of those things you're like, man, I need to get on Mac. I need to get the stuff going. I get out there. It's fun to do. It really is. And, I, and feedback. We, I love getting the feedback, the emails and the tweets and the messages on, you know, on Facebook, on the pages. Or, you know, I love all that. Reviews and ratings. I love reading all that because it's, it's a fun interaction you get to have with people that you may never get to physically meet them. But it's, it's one of those things. It's fun when they tell you, you know, hey, I really enjoyed that guest. You did a great job. Thanks for doing it. You know, and all the I know you work to do all this and all that. And you did all the hard work and the time you put in and it just makes you feel good. And you're like, man, what I'm doing really is reaching somebody. They really are enjoying, you know, what we're doing. And I like the cool stories when they call in and leave them uh, the voicemails. Oh, we yeah. Have a number on our website. You can call in and, and leave stories and stuff. And man, we've got some really cool ones. 
we released one a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you guys heard it about the giant shark some guys saw and also a ghost ship. No, I haven't. Uh, I think I heard the ghost ship one. I meant to call in. <laughs> I, I was going to call in when I was driving in my truck, but I forgot. That's that short-term memory. He's got about <laughs> a 20-minute window. Was it 20-minute or 20-second window? I got about 20-second no, Depends what it is. What are you, goldfish? Well, no. Not a goldfish. <laughs> After about 20 minutes, it snaps back. <laughs> but from like four minutes to 20 minutes can get pretty sketchy. <laughs> You got an upgrade from the Go phone. <laughs> you got him a jitterbug. He's got him a jitterbug because it, yeah, it's got to have three buttons on it: nine one one, home, and work. And that's only the only three buttons it's on there. Usually, there's a reason. I think if I forget, yeah, that. right? Yeah, <laughs> reality's the, getting slippery. I think the cool thing is just being able to talk to people about stuff that you can't normally talk to people about. Like in your life, you might have a handful of people you can talk to this shit with uh, about mm -hmm. this shit. And now, you know, it's expanded. To the world, really. That's what that's. I'm couldn't agree more. That's it's what makes it fun is all the people that you get to hit up, and like you said, you, you you're reading these books, and then you get to talk to the guy, and it's fun. I mean, there's you, you get to you know you interview him, and then off air you're talking to him, and it's just there's so much more, and you're like, man, oh man, I wish I could go hang out with that guy. And then he's like, oh yeah, well I'll be here, here, and here. Come up there and meet me, you know. And all, and you're like, oh my goodness. Then you go and hang out and sit there and share a meal with them and stuff, and you just there's so much stuff. It's just there's so many interesting people that. If it wasn't for the technology that's out now, it'd be hard to find and meet these people. I mean, I still remember as a kid doing research in the library, you know, where you actually had to follow along with the Dewey Decimal System to find a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's just pen and paper and a, and a note card for this. I got to find this book, you know, and you wrote the number on it and then you ran around looking for it. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's how that shit used to work. I, I remember they used to have those, those little wooden boxes. You had to go to that thing and go yeah. through all those yeah. and then you'd find your book. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. fuck. Yeah. It was a nightmare, was right? Like, that's like an analog fucking Google. Yeah, that guy's out of a job, whoever had to manage that Dewey, thing, right? Dewey. Dewey, Dewey's, Dewey's out of a job. Dewey's brother invented the abacus, and I that it went Dewey's the same dead, way. Man. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Out of sadness. So, uh, hey, yeah. is there anything else you guys want to say before we uh, start wrapping up? We've got another uh, another interview lined up here in a couple minutes, so. Man, no, I just want to say thanks. And I, man, I, like I said, I really appreciate the friendship. You guys are good guys and good friends. And I really like y'all's show, man. I like to listen and catch up with it and the whole thing. And, and like we said, we work by ourselves. So I'm listening to podcasts all the time. So I listen to you guys all the time and we all laugh and cut up. Oh, sweet. Right on, man. Yeah, that's that's cool. And uh, we'll have to have you guys back on again for our proper round table. Yeah. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, we'll Just get you on for a problem. We wanted to get you on quick before your thing launched so we could kind of throw it out to our little sphere and uh, we can do it, definitely do a proper one down the road where we can sit around for a, a solid 90 minutes and and bore everybody like we always <laughs> do. Yeah, absolutely. We'll tell everybody they can find us on expandedperspectives.com. And if you're interested in the uh, plus episodes, it's Expanded Perspectives Elite. You'll be able to sign up starting August 1st. So Sweet. We're easy to find. Head on over, guys. Check out Cam and Kyle. Uh, we'll link to all that in the show notes as usual. And I, you know what? If people go to iTunes and they're on our podcast anyway, I'm pretty sure like whenever I go to, I notice Expanded Perspectives is like the first one on the bottom for if you like this show, you'll probably, or people who subscribe to this, subscribe yeah. to that. So we'll see. We're even hanging out in the virtual too. Yeah, yeah when exactly. Yeah, yeah, right next hang to us. And so. iTunes is fucking. They're holding it down. In a mainframe in Idaho. <laughs> That's where right. we're going to end up, too, so oh, yeah. ironically. There's a black helicopter flying over Kyle's house right now. <laughs> oh, did you see the Weird Al video? 
I don't even want to talk about Weird Al's. Come on, man. Wait, Weird Al Yankovic? Wait, yeah, Weird yeah. Al. I thought you said Owl. I'm like, what? Weird Al? I don't want to talk about Owls. Have you seen his new one? Oh, fuck. It's fucking priceless, man. You got to check it out. It's it. called Foil. Foil? Yeah, Weird Al Foil. I think it got seen like fucking 10 million times in yeah. three days or yeah. something. But... Down. I'm gonna, we'll find it. I'm down. It sounds yeah. great. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, eh? Hey, man. Hey, we had a great you. time. Y'all be careful and stay out of trouble. Come on. Tonight uh, on the Grand America Show, we are going to be chatting with Patty Conklin. Uh, but first, how's it going tonight, buddy? Hey, Darren. Not too bad, eh, Joe? Good to, good to be here. I'm totally excited about tonight's show. We're talking about uh, vibrational healing and stuff. We've got Patty Conklin here. She wrote a book called The God, God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. And Patty's uh, a world-class medical intuitive or I guess you could say a vibrational healer. She's got her honor, honorary PhD in divinity and humanities, and she has a private practice. She's an instructor at an international metaphysical university, and her work with clients, allopathic and alternative physicians, has, and her teaching is worldwide, having reached more than 40 countries. So we've got a, a ton to talk about here. It's, uh, it's another one of these spirituality and science kind of mix. She can hold her own with the quantum physicists and all this. So we're really looking forward to chatting about all this great uh, healing stuff. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you so much for having me on. I look forward to it. Yeah, I think uh, Graham actually listened to, to the entire audio, to the, to the entire book, the PDF of the book in, uh, by his, uh, his electronic Apple voice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Did I sound good? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, when the sentence is, uh, when the line switches over to the next line, it's kind of like a sentence break. So it takes you a while to get used to it. But it was uh, kind of like an electronic version of an audio book. So, I mean, thank God for technology because we, we thought we had your book here and we noticed we didn't. So we got a, the PDF and I copied it into Word and then, and then highlighted it and got the electronic voice to read it to me. So that was pretty cool. Wow, that's very cool. So, Patty, before we get into your background and all that, um, you know, I mentioned a little bit about you being a vibrational healer. I'm not sure if that's the right term or not. Uh, medical intuitive, energy healing, there's all this stuff. We'll probably get into some of the differences while we talk to you. But can you start off with, with telling us a bit about uh, maybe like the, the sort of the top one or two or some of your favorite sort of healing cases? You know, some of the, the best yeah. healings that you've kind of done, and we'll start from that. 
some of them have been just really awesome. Um, I think two really stand out for me. And one was a woman who uh, came to me because she had ovarian cancer. And uh, when we were talking during our half-hour appointment, she mentioned that her mother had just passed of ovarian cancer. And uh, and so I asked her, you know, what her relationship was, was with her mom, and she was talking about how close they were. And as she was speaking, I could literally see a, a frequency that was not of her body inside her right ovary. And uh, her mother had died of ovarian cancer of the right ovary. And... Um, and the more we talked, I said, you know, where were you when your mom died? And she said, oh, I was with her. You know, my husband was great. He took the kids and I spent the last month with my mom. I said, but what happened when she died? And she said, I was just holding her in my arms. She was leaning up against me and I was washing off her, her brow because she was sweating so badly. And I said, yes, but what did you say to her mm-hmm. as she crossed? And she said, I, I told her that she'd always be a part of me. <laughs> and those words were just enough to bring the frequency of her mother and the cancer into her. And we moved vibration using color for about five minutes and her cancer disappeared. And it was a, a very, you know, it seems like a rare event, but it's really not. Um, the, the body can't handle two separate frequencies. And um, and saying those words to her mother literally brought that fragment of her mother into her, and she continued on the energy field that her mother was crossing with. Um, so that was fascinating. Um, wow. The other one that was was fascinating as one of my students now, but she um, had been diagnosed with muscular dystrophy at the age of six, and she went into a wheelchair at the age of 35. And she came to see me when she was 44. And uh, she was a, hyp- a hypnotherapist uh, on the circuit. So I knew of her and always saw her in her motorized scooter. And uh, she came to do some intensive work, what I call a cellular cleansing. And um, here's a woman who 35 to 44 had not walked. And within two hours, um, she stood up on her own and walked down the hallway to the vending machine and got me a soda and walked back. Um, Within a month, she was riding bicycles around Maui uh, at her daughter's wedding. And today she's a semi-professional ballroom dancer. So um, that's in your book. That one's in your book, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one's in my book, yeah. and it's just uh, awesome watching her and and um, you know uh, one of your uh, uh, a woman from Canada who had come in who hadn't really left her house in three years and uh, had severe environmental and food allergies. She was down to four foods, and um, her boyfriend found a, a scent-free bed and breakfast when I was in uh, New York and uh, brought her over. And, uh, you know, she had called the office saying, no, don't give, you know, she can't have any perfume on, no incense, no. And I just said, stop it. I'm not even going to go there with you. And within two hours, she was in a smoky bar eating uh, pizza and drinking beer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the body can shift very quickly if you shift the frequency. Now, now, these people, I guess they have to want to at some level, right? 
Yeah, they really do. They really do. They they have to be wanting, um, you know, I won't work on someone without their permission, you know, unless it's a young child and the family is asking me to come in. Um, and then it needs to be both parents. It can't just be one parent that believes and one parent that doesn't uh, believe. I really need them to be on board right. um, if I'm working with a child. Or sometimes it's it's an older person who's maybe in a coma and the family's just asking me to help uh, them cross um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, that's just sitting with them and, and helping the soul come out of the body. So, um, wow. but people really, for the most part, they need to make that phone call. Wow. And if they're not willing to make the phone call, they're not, they're not ready. So, I mean, with words having that much power, that really would, would lend to the, to the, to the power of things like affirmations and things like that. Do you, you must work with some of that as well? I do, but as a secondary, what I really, what I really focus on is the words and, and the emotions attached to the words that have been stored in your body throughout your lifetime. Your body recorded every single thing you've ever said and everything you've ever thought. And so that's what makes the congestion. That's what creates density within your body that eventually creates disease. And so it's not so much where you're going, you know, it's important how you watch your words from this point forward, but you also have to go back and neutralize the words from this point backwards. Um, and that's, that's critical. That's, that's the key to getting someone healthy and helping them shift behavior or shift their emotional awareness. Hmm. And that, that reminds me of, and, and this is something I don't think I've ever really read about or heard about but it's it's the words matching your belief like is that does that have to do with when you're talking about if you believe something but you say something else that it kind of traps some sort of energy or something in in there it really does when you're thinking something but you say something totally different it creates a uh, opposition in your body and um, you know both areas still store so if you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, here comes Sally, and I don't want to talk to her today, and that's what you're thinking, and then you look at Sally, and you go, oh, hi, it's nice to see you, your body's recording both, and so it's also recording the emotion to both, so the emotion in the thought process um, is negative, and even though your tone of your voice is pleasant, um, you know, or, or the words that you're saying are pleasant the uh, frequency behind it is not. And so you've, you've just, you've stored two conflicting emotions um, within the same phrase. So what people really don't realize is that your body, every cell in your body works independently and it works as a community. And so it has a skeletal circulation and respiratory system, but it doesn't have a brain. So if I were to say, oh, my goodness, I just heard Aunt Zelda uh, is, you know, dying of cancer and I don't want her to die. I'm afraid of her dying. My body doesn't know I'm speaking of Aunt Zelda. My body only knows that what I've just said is fearful. And so therefore my own cells shut down and, and I'm doing more damage to me. My body doesn't know when I'm talking about someone else. By the same token, if I'm doing a show and I get into, you know, emotionally upsetting memories, which I don't have that many <laughs> anymore, but if I did or if I was an actor and I was playing a role, my mm. body doesn't know that I'm playing that role. Mm. My body's taking everything in its literal truth. 
Hmm. So what about when you, when you say that, let's say that example you talked about with Sally there, you say that nice thing, but you're feeling something else. What if you continually say nice things? Will you change your feeling after a while? Like, does it work where, where like the fake it till you make it kind of thing? Where if you, if you try to say nice things, even though you don't feel that, will it shift? It behaviorally it'll shift. Right. However, it the does not doesn't? shift the frequencies. No, it does not. You really have to bring in an active vibration. You have to bring in a, a color or a tone um, that is a, what I call a, an active frequency um, to literally shake the emotion out of the peptide of your cell. Um, you know, energy is energy until it's not. And it brings it to the point where it becomes a density and it actually stores in the peptides. So if I'm working with somebody, just say for five or 10 minutes, and I'm pushing energy through there and, um, and they're doing, you know, say color works, um, they're going to get sick. They're, they're going to feel like they've got the flu. They may have nausea. They, they just, you know, they'll walk away feeling, oh, my gosh, what just happened to me? I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck. And I'm like, yay, because <laughs> when, those, when those toxins release from the peptides, um, they're actually matter at that point. It's not just unseen energy. It, it literally turns into matter, and matter then turns into what we classify as disease. Wow. So the our podcast uh, mythology doesn't work in healing. What do you mean by that? Fake it till you make it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it goes with that old Silva method of, you know, cancel, cancel. And and people feel like as long as they do that, they cancel it. It's like, no, you, you, you become more aware of your behavior. Um, but if I get frustrated and I'm good at stuffing down frustration, even if I just feel it for a nanosecond, it, I may as well have gone off for an hour um, because I've done the same amount of damage. Hmm. So it's, it's, you know, we start changing our behavior, but that doesn't change the, the frequency within the body itself. Hey, before I forget, I wanted to mention if you, I don't know if this ever happens to you when you're doing interviews or you're on shows, but if you ever, if you see something or if you have an intuitive feeling or anything like that, be, uh, you know, feel free to, to share it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if that happens <laughs> sure or, you know. There's no off switch. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, it's on all the time. Yeah. yeah. So should we, uh, should we get into, into your history a bit? How this, how this, uh, how this happened now it's it's your you know your switch is always on but was it always on before or did it did you develop that switch it kind of developed i mean the switch was always on just in a different way um i was born with the gift i was born with the ability to to see um and not a psychic see you know not so much um in that way um but my first recollection was when i was three and um, my mother and her best friend were sitting in the kitchen having coffee. And I walked in and I looked at my mother's friend and I saw a sperm go into an egg. And I knew she had just conceived a baby. And, and I started jumping up and down. I was only three years old. And I'm like, oh, you're going to have a baby. I didn't know how I knew that, but I knew what I'd just seen. And I started laughing. And my mother um, you know, was just kind of looking at me aghast and her friend was still laughing and she looked at me and she said, no, I'm not. And the particle shifted. 
And because I was only three and I didn't know any better, I went, oh, but you're going to die when the baby's born. And my mother backhanded me. I mean, just backhanded (sighs) me. And um, nine months later, her best friend was dead and had died in childbirth. And, And for me... That was the concreteness of what I was seeing was truth and what they were telling me that I wasn't seeing, they were wrong. And so by the time I was seven, I had what I considered to be a visitation. And I came from a very um, low income, uh, very dysfunctional family, a lot of addiction. And um, I had never been to church and had never heard of God or source or creator, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, and I was upstairs in my bedroom, and a mist started coming through the room um, in, from the wall. And I fell to my knees, not because I was scared or not because I felt like I had to, but there was a serenity, um, you know, thousands of times um, stronger than what I had ever experienced. And I literally felt my body kind of disappearing. And I heard three things. I heard 38 to 42 would be my greatest um, growth years and 42 to 62 would be my greatest contribution to humanity. But the purpose of my walk was to teach people to become insubstantial without transitioning. And I was pretty precocious, but I had no clue what that meant. Hmm. And, um, you know, as, as years went by, you know, the visitations continued. And I knew as long as I listened to that voice, I'd be okay. And I doubled up my junior and senior year and got out of high school and immediately started a nonprofit. Um, to the point where I began overseeing literacy programs in 30 countries throughout Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And that was a fascinating time for me. And that was definitely a preordained time because it allowed me to go into other countries and see how people thought and see the disease process within that culture Mm. and what was prevalent in terms of what their behavior, emotional pattern was and the diseases that they were developing. Mm. And so... In my late 20s, we finally tested me, and we found that I had a genius IQ, but my brainwave patterns were off the charts. And the scientists and friends um, that are MDs that I have, you know, just say, you're you're a walking MRI, because when I turned 38, right before my 38th birthday, um, I had another visitation, and father told me to move the family to Hartwell, Georgia, and fully begin walking the path he asked me to walk as a child. And uh, within five minutes, I called my, my, I was director of Canine Companions for Independence of the Southeast Region and uh, called my boss in Santa Rosa, California and told him I was resigning. And he said, where are you going? I said, Hartwell, Georgia. And he said, where's that? I said, I don't have a clue. (laughs) I need to look at the map. And uh, it's been 18 years. Wow. Is that Hartwell? uh, Like as in Hartwell? Because that's pretty interesting. It's it's H-A-R-T. Oh, okay. um, But it's Hart, yeah, Hartwell. Still. Um, Hmm. Actually, some of the uh, maps of the shifting of the world actually have Hartwell, that specific area as one of the Golden Dome cities um, that would survive an earth change. Hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that was kind of fascinating to go there. But um, uh, yeah, I did. And, and I didn't have a clue, but my 18 years of, of work has really been word of mouth. And, um, and the book has been sitting on the shelf for 16 years. Um, but I never felt like it was time to let it go. And as I'm you know, getting closer to 60 now, I'll be 57 this year. Um, hmm. 
I really felt like it was time to release the book. Um, I knew that, you know, the phone rings 24-7 and, and it has my entire career. And I just uh, felt like I, I needed to stay focused, continue to grow myself, um, and then let the book go as I got closer to that 62 in case I do cross at that time. Um, so that I at least have some of my philosophies out there. So I got a question about your travels uh, before. Is that okay, Darren, yeah. or do you want to go ahead? Fine, you go ahead. Okay. Darren. So you've seen all these different cultures, and you're sort of intuitively noticing how diseases happen. Did you notice a tr any trends that you want to mention or anything different between, like, you know, our culture and more of a third world type culture? There's there's a lot of differences, um, and, and there's a lot of differences to individuals who have come into the Western world and started living. Um, you know, when when I look at when I was traveling through Africa, one of the things that that really stood out for me compared to uh, the Western societies was that um, and actually Africa and Asia together, um, very family oriented, incredibly family oriented, you know, grandparents and children, all, you know, parents all live in the same house and, and uh, so forth. So what takes place during that time is that we tend to store early childhood memories as women in the breasts, ovaries, and uterus. Men tend to store in the testicles and prostate. And so um, those memories, not traumas necessarily, but just memories kind of stay put there. When I look at the Western culture and I look at African or Asians who have, um, you know, maybe second generation, third generation here in this country, um, in the United States at least, um, while, we, while we're family oriented, we're not living 20 to a house um, normally. And so the genetic structure of those individuals um, are at war with the cultural aspect of living in the United States. And so you'll see more of those memories, more of those behaviors um, actually take shape in uh, breast cancer and uterine cancer um, because what the genetic structure is telling them, which is everybody lives together and helps each other versus the culture that they, they're in right now um, that says, you know, you visit your parents and you visit your kids, but, you know, you don't all live in the same house and maybe you live on the other side of the country and so forth. Um, the dynamics were really stunning of looking at that disease process. Um, the other thing in the Asian culture, there's a lot more of uh, Crohn's disease, um, uh, intestinal diseases, um, because they tend to store more. They hold more emotion in. They're very stoic, and they don't emotionally uh, let things out more. Um, in the Western culture, um, women with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, it's almost always boundary setting issues, almost always the inability to set a boundary, the inability to say no. And so women have a tendency to say yes much more to things and then find they can't, they don't have the energy to keep it up and they almost look like a mummy. And you don't see that within the um, Asian and African culture because everyone, uh, from my observation, obviously I yeah, haven't yeah. seen all 7 billion people on the planet, but from my observations, we're much more uh, in there helping each other and doing things in, in groups, um, which we don't have as much in the Western culture because everyone's so busy. 
So, you know, those were just some of the observations that, that I made through the years, depending on where I was traveling, hmm. um, you know, looking at uh, women um, in some of the Eastern Bloc countries um, on how quickly there's really no middle age. You know, it's like they go from 30 to 60 in one year. And um, and it's because of the hard work that they're doing um, and shifting all the hormonal uh, processes. And then they kind of just zip into to, um, middle age. So that's kind of like yeah. what that kind of leads us in the same direction as, you know, how you always hear you hear people on other on other shows. I've heard talking about how how we've kind of got ourselves away from where we're supposed to be and we need to do a bit of rewilding and get back to sort of the, those sort of pack mentalities and stuff like that. The tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah very talk- much so. Talking about family, I have to ask, like, um, you were talking about your, your experience when you were three. How did, how did your mother react to that? Like, do you remember any sort of like that must have, must have weirded her out a little bit or was she open to that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. My my mother passed away three years ago, and I can honestly say, and from the time I was three until I was, uh, you know, fifty three, um, my mother never once asked me what I did for a living. Uh, even when I was in the nonprofit field for for twenty years, my mother was terrified of me. Um, by the time I was seven, actually three to seven, um, she made my brother take me everywhere he went. Um, and so, you know, I was running the trap line with him at three and I had my own shotgun at five and was doing taxidermy at seven. Um, but by the time I was seven, she really did not appreciate my voice at all in the house. And um, my father was gone a lot. He was an um, over-the-road trucker. And so um, by the time I was 12, I pretty much started living on my own. Um, I realized that I was beyond my parents' comprehension. And because of the addictions in the house, um, I knew that that was not the path that I was meant to take. And I knew that I was better off on my own. Um, So, you know, through the years, I would call my mother once a year, you know, call them and see how they were doing. Certainly when I had children, I encouraged my children to know their grandparents. And they actually were great grandparents. Um, And so, um, you know, when she got ready to pass, I had actually gone home for um, a high school reunion and I hadn't been home in 15 years. And uh, I was having breakfast with my niece and she's like, oh, you know, grandma had a stroke last night. Um, They think it's just a mini one. She'll be home today. And I thought, oh, crap. You know, I guess I should go to the hospital and say hi. So I drove up to the hospital and I walked in her room and I just took one look at her and walked back to the nurse's station and said, you know, I really need to talk to the doctor. And she said, well, the doctor just called to see, you know, if there was family here. I said, I'm her daughter. And so he and I went in a room and he looked at me so seriously and he's like, you know, we've got, we've got to have a, a really hardcore conversation. And I said, no, we don't, you know, she's stage four, um, <laughs> lung cancer and it's metastasized into her brain. And he looked at me and he's like, how'd you know that? Nobody else has the report. And I said, it doesn't matter. I'll take her home. And so I, I uh, went in and got her home and, you know, uh, we arranged hospice and took her to hospice because my dad wasn't well enough to take care of her. And as we were leaving the house and, you know, I had a small suitcase for her, she's like, well, I have to get back in time to do applesauce. And I just kind of looked at her and I said, mom, you're never coming back. So why don't you say goodbye to the house now? And uh, she looked at me confused and she said, well, aren't we even doing chemo? And I said, no no, we're not going to do chemo. So, you know, got her settled. And uh, three days before she died, I called 
And she said, you know, I really just want to say something to you. And I said, what? She said, I hate you. I've always hated you. And I don't know why I hate you. I love the kids. I love your kids. I, I, I don't know why I hate you. And I just, I told her that I was really proud of her, that I thought for the first time in her life, she was truly being honest about how she felt. And I said, it's really okay because your hatred, your isolation forced me to trust myself and forced me to trust the voice that I had inside of me. So I never got caught up in the family dynamics of, oh my gosh, they're not going to believe this or, you know, they're going to think I'm crazy because I was so um, alone and isolated and an introvert. Um, I never got into that drama that people seem to get into when they start realizing their gifts or their capabilities. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna, um, and yeah, no, I was going to ask you if, if that was one of the main reasons why you ended up being like, when I was listening to your book, you were talking about how you're all, you're the same person, right? No matter what you're, if you're in a business environment or a social environment or whatever, you say what you feel or, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're genuine, right? Is that part of the reason yeah. why is because your mom couldn't be that oh, way? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that, that everything can be said with respect. I, I don't think that anything needs to be held back. And, um, and, you know, for me, it was never about being mean. Um, but there was such a hypocrisy uh, for me anytime I saw her where she was saying, oh, hi, it's good to see you. And I'm just looking at her and watching her body and, and watching her cringe um, and, and realizing, you know, that, that she would be much healthier if she could honestly tell me how she was feeling. Um, and, you know, I think it was a great confusion for her all of her life because she really was uh, very loving and great grandmother. And, um, and the kids adored her, my kids, and certainly my siblings' uh, kids. Um, but I think that she felt such tremendous guilt because she didn't understand why she felt that way. And for me, it was really, um, it had to happen that way. I think it had to happen that way. It had to uh, get to a point where I could see and trust myself and be okay with people not liking me or people not believing me, um, that it really didn't matter what they thought, that I was okay with myself. So um, do you know then that your mom couldn't be healed at that point? Like obviously if you had the ability to shift her vibration or heal her, you would have. So is that something that you can tell right off the bat or sometimes do you have to go through a trial and error kind of thing? No, it's usually something I can tell off the bat. But in order to actually take a disease uh, from someone and heal them instantaneously, it's usually a message from father father will tell me to take it. And then I just become a conduit. Um, you know, people introduce me as the vibrational um, mediator, the medical intuitive. And, and I kind of laugh and say, actually, I'm a vibrational manipulator <laughs> and, and um, doesn't look so good on business cards. Um, <laughs> but, but when I'm, you know, if I'm in front of an audience and um, I'm lecturing, and father says, you know, there's a woman in the audience with liver cancer and I want you to go take it right now. Um, then I will stop my lecture and I'll actually go down into the audience and take that from that person. And my skin will turn green and I'll look about a hundred years old and everybody like gets all concerned. And I go up and I finish my lecture and, and then I go to my room and I process through the disease and, and then I'm ready to go have a steak and a beer. 
Huh. So, so how does that, if you don't mind me asking some more details on that, how does that come to you? Because I, I try and, you know, sometimes I have little things come to me during meditation or whatever, but I'm not the most visual person. Right. So for me, uh, like if I feel something physically in the body is kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of, or I'm trying to be open to feelings on. So how does, how do you get the message? Like, is it a, a voice or a verbiage or a, a vision? Well, when it's when it's father speaking to me, it's yeah, a yeah. voice. I'm, oh, I'm, it is. I'm you hear. Yeah. yeah, I hear. And okay. everybody expects me to be visual because of my sight. It's like, no, I'm really, my primary is auditory. Okay. Um, but if you were watching television and the cable went out and you got snow yeah. on, the, on the screen, that's my world. That's my world every single minute of the day. So, so when I'm hmm. looking at an audience, Unless they're speaking to me, I can't make out the body shapes of the people. As soon as they speak to me, then their particles condense, and I can I can see a, a person in front of me. But I would never be able to see you according to your skin tone or your facial expressions or the color of your eyes. I don't see that. Oh, okay. Um, but if I met you five years from now, I'd know you by your energy signature. Okay, so that's how you. Face. That's how you can do sort of uh, intuitive healings or mm-hmm. mm, um, vibrational healings over the phone or via Skype with audio, that type of thing? Yes. Okay. Because in my world, there's no separation. You know, if you're on the other side of the world, it doesn't matter. For me, you're sitting right here with me. Wow. That's interesting. Can we get into the, the science about <laughs> vibrations a little bit? Because it's kind of been high, that term has been kind of hijacked and made fun of a lot, right? So we have the new age community that's talking about, uh, vib- you know, raise your vibrations and all that. And I believe there's something to that. But then on the other side of it too, it's people um, are using that as uh, as a way to discount anything as well. Like when you talk about the, the more skeptical or the more kind of debunking crowd. So, but there is a lot of science. Like we wanted to do a show on vibrations because there's a lot of science behind it. And I wanted to dig up a bunch of stuff and go, look, like there really is something to this. And then, you know, now we ended up doing your show, which is good because it fits in with kind of the healing uh, topic that we've been talking about, but you do go into some of the science. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like the difference between the, you know, the two, the two frequencies that cells are at. Either growth yeah, or protection. I, you yeah. know, yeah. When, when I look at the human form or I look at the floor or I look at, you know, whatever, um, it's all particles that are moving and it's all in grayscale. There's, there's no, you know, I can tell you the color is green, but I could never tell you what shade it was. Um, and only according to the particles thereof. So I believe that the universe is tonal is a a, more like a radio frequency and that what we consider to be God or source, whatever evolved from it. Um, and, and the source wasn't the origin, um, creating the tones. I believe the tones were the harmonics that created source. Mm. Um, and so when I look at the human form and I see color or tone running through the body, I see something that will literally shake those particles, when I look at essential oils, Reiki, therapeutic touch, um, you know, those essential oils, crystals, they're passive frequencies and they don't enter into the body itself. They actually affect what they call the auric field on the outside of the body. And it makes people feel good. And, mm-hmm. you know, it can help them if they're nauseous or whatever. 
but it doesn't get to the, the meat of what really is taking place. And those are the particles that are stuck. Um, when you look at a chair, when, when you're sitting in a chair, when you're sitting in a, in a plane 30,000 miles or you know, 30,000 feet up in the air, it's recognizing there's nothing solid underneath you. <laughs> those, those particles are dense because you have a belief that they're dense. Um, but in reality, they're not dense. Um, they never touch each other. And, and that's where uh, string theory really comes into play in, in terms of my mind. Um, because for me, we simply are particles. And when people go into the protection mode, especially in the healing arts, in a lot of different modalities, people are taught to protect themselves. And, you know, we've got to remember ourselves operate in growth or protection. So when we feel as though we have to protect ourselves, we're putting ourselves in a fear state. You know, love is growth and fear is protection. And when we go into that fear space, our own cells shut down. So when I, I keep saying to people, you know, why are you protecting? And they're like, well, I don't want their energies to get into me and so on. Mm -hmm. It's like they can't come into you unless you have that belief that they can come into you. So why don't you let go of that belief and realize there's no need to protect yourself because those particles, those particles develop into what you perceive as coming towards you. So the particles themselves aren't created until you give creation to them. So they're only, that's like that the, that's, yeah, that's like the same idea as they're only possibilities. Like remember when we were talking right. to Dr. Swami, it's like yeah. nothing's until you, you decide it's, you know, nothing's really real until you decide it's real before that it's only the possibility. So it's like, there's only the possibility of an airplane, but your mind makes yeah. it real. Yeah. It's the consciousness <laughs> observer that changes something from, you know, a possibility exactly. to a reality or one of the reality, one, a path of, of reality, which is kind of the same thing you're right. talking about. And is wow. fucking crazy to try and wrap your head around. Yeah. Like we can kind of <laughs> it's, fake it's, our way through it, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's actually really simplistic. I mean, I, 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 I think it's simplistic. I think that, um, once you, I, once you let go of your beliefs, you know, once you let go of the belief system that you have and just open your mind to whatever um, and, and just observe um, and start letting go of the things that you've known, um, you begin seeing things differently. You begin to see that chair differently. You know, I just sold my house about three months ago. And as I was taking the people through, um, the guy pointed up and he's like, wow, what a fabulous window. And I looked up and I'm like, there's a window there? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, there's a window there. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I had this house remodeled six years ago and I never knew they put a window in. <laughs> and, uh, and he just started laughing. But, but for me, because I had no conscious awareness that they had put in a window, then in my world, it didn't exist. <laughs> so, so, you know, when my sons were, I've got two biological and two adopted and then step son and daughter. Um, and when the four boys were 16, 17, 18, 19, they were sitting around the dining room table and I just done a TV show and I came home and, you know, it was a really good program and a fun gig. And I was leaning up against the wall and I was telling the boys about it. And all of a sudden I literally felt myself seeping into the wall. 
and I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. And, and my sons were just like, mom, mom, you're in the wall. You're in the wall. Come out, come out. And they were just hysterical. And, uh, I came back out and, and that was like number one on the list that they brought a girl home that I could not do, um, anymore, but it freaked them out. But my frequency was high enough and I wasn't paying any attention to it because I was talking to the boys and, um, I merged with the wall and, um, and I realized that I didn't ever want to do that again. <laughs> that was that was that was kind of a, a weird feeling. But I think it really comes back to the whole consciousness makes it, you know, why do some people see angels with wings and other people see angels without wings? You know, why do some people see fairies and others see cherubs? It's and because others see of, aliens. And others see aliens. And it's really because of a your belief system you know your conscious belief system but it's also tied up in your genetics it's also tied up in your dna so if you came from a culture that didn't know anything about chairs um and had never seen a chair and had never you know for them the chair would not exist um when i'm given something new that i've never seen before i literally have to feel it like a blind person i can't make out the the constraints or the the texture or the shape of an object if I've never seen it. When I drive a car, I can't see the car ahead of me. I can only see a density of particles. And so for me, I have to read the mind of the person ahead of me. And so if you were driving the car ahead of me, I would be reading your mind, reading your body. And I would know you were going to touch the brakes before you ever knew consciously you were going to touch the brakes. That's how I drive. Um, and you know, we've had many fights in the house about me keeping my driver's license and it's like, you know, Hey, as long as I've never been in an accident and I'm not a danger to other people, I think I have the right to keep my driver's license. And, um, you know, the boys finally let up on it. Um, but when they, when they turned 17 and 18 or 16 and 17, they were all about, we're taking your driver's license (laughs) right now. Um, but it, it, uh, it's, if you take it back to, to the simplicity of what it really is, it's simply particles. And, and we've got two areas that bring it into awareness. It's our consciousness and it's our genetics. Huh. So can, can you talk about Lipton's work at all, about the cell behavior, that type of thing? Um, you, you mentioned you know, that in your book. Yeah, yeah. Bruce and I were uh, keynoting at a... Um, uh, Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Biology, uh, cellular biology conference. And uh, we sat up all night the the night before just just talking away. And and we really had the same belief structure that um, that Bruce writes about and certainly lectures on is that um, uh, from a science standpoint, there's a belief that your memories, uh, if you have deja vu or you have what you consider to be a past life memory, that they're actually ancestral memories um, if they're not in this lifetime, that they're uh, memories that are passed down through the DNA chain um, into your consciousness um, and in this lifetime. Oh, I like that and one. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. Huh. Yeah, I like the, you were yeah. talking about, uh, I like the idea of uh, um, uh, the, the, being, being passed down the DNA chain is kind of like you. Is that the same idea as when you're talking about being able to to transfer illnesses through through life lifetimes? 
Like yeah. past lives, when we're you mean? Like? At yeah. Well, past lives or, you know, what we consider to be hereditary uh, diseases, you know, and, and what's so crazy is, and I've seen an imprint over and over again. Let's say that, that um, you know, a woman has breast cancer, um, you know, well case documented history of breast cancer in her family. And um, she's pregnant and she finds out she's having a girl. All she needs to do is think, oh, my goodness, I hope, I just hope, I hope, I hope you don't get breast cancer. I hope that, that this can miss you, little one, and, and that you, you don't have the family history of breast cancer. That's enough to store um, the imprint of the breast cancer in the fetus so that it will develop breast cancer as an adult. And so it's really amazing to watch what's coming through the DNA chain, um, the genetic, genetic strain, and what we're putting in consciously without even being aware that we're doing it oh, in wow. terms of how we speak to each other. So, do you want to read that uh, question from the chat room, Darren? Or can you? Does that make enough sense? I can't see it anymore. It's scrolled past. You read it. Is there any healing ability potential? I'm not too sure. Uh, let's. I'm going to get him to expand on that question a little bit. There, uh, Quinn the Eskimo. If you could expand on that question about the discernment of illness. Um, in the meantime, Patty, um, you've developed this talking about cell vibrations and that type of thing. So you've developed this procedure or process called color work, what you call color works. And I guess that's, that's one of the, uh, hmm, what, like a trick to kind of help people change the vibration. It is. It's, it's one of the tools. Everybody gets homework with me. It doesn't matter, you know, what status they're in when they come, whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual, but, but ColorWorks was developed um, literally in the uh, mid-1980s. I was diagnosed with both forms of lupus. And lupus is an incurable, always fatal disease. And um, one of the interesting parts of lupus uh, for the internal is that um, it only happens in, in Asian or African uh, women. And so when I had both forms, the doctor was kind of the endocrinologist was kind of like, whoa, wait a minute, you've got to have Asian or African blood in you somewhere. And I'm like, well, you know, somewhere along the genetic line, I probably do. Um, but I was critical for three years. It took out my right kidney. I had two heart failures, ulcerations throughout my body, nerve damage throughout my body. And, um, you know, the doctors were like, you're never going to work again. And, you know, I was already traveling 
100,000 miles a year, and I just kept it, kept it going. But there were times that I could walk from my front door to the mailbox and come back and be in a coma for three days, um, use radiation on my bones. And I had another visitation, and Father showed me how to move color through my body. Ah, that's and how I it happened. Immediately, uh huh. And I immediately moved color through my body, and nothing happened. And I thought, what the heck? Nothing is happening. Why are you showing me something that doesn't work? And I sat with it and I thought about it. And what I realized was I had a self-worth issue that, you know, being an introvert um, and, you know, I'm not as bad as I was, but, but being an introvert and having this site and not having people I could talk to about it that would really understand other than scientists, mm-hmm. um, I realized in the nonprofit world that I was working 100-hour weeks because I wanted to prove myself worthy of mm. being in those positions mm. because I only had a high school education. And and people would say, you know, you need to take a vacation. And I'll, I'd say, I, I'll take a vacation on my deathbed. Why do I need to stop now? And my body created the deathbed for me. And so as soon as I realized it was self-worth, I said to my body, what color do I need to remove my lack of self-worth increase my self-worth by 80% and remove the lupus. And that day, all the symptoms stopped. And within a year, my blood work was perfect and uh, never had a symptom again. So, you know, that became the foundation, not only of helping people with a vibrational tool, um, but also facing death. You know, they were very uh, convinced that I wouldn't live more than another five or six years. And, um, and so I just, uh, you know, the, the fear, um, that sets in and, you know, oh my goodness, you know, my kids are little and what am I going to do? And I'm divorced and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it really gave me an excellent toolkit, um, to work with people when I started my work 18 years ago. So that kind of gone through that experience. So that's kind of scary in the sense that like, you know, nowadays you see all, there's all these commercials like trying to push these different vaccines and stuff like that. And they're all about, oh, you know, the measles or this is coming back or that's coming back. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, you actually start to see some of these diseases poke up again. Is And it's almost like it's affecting, you know, the propaganda or whatever you want to call it. The advertising is getting into everyone's head so much they're thinking about it and they're actually manifesting these things again. That's exactly what's happening. And and yay, thank you for understanding that because most people don't get it. You know, 100 years ago, I mean, before we had microscopes, 100, 125 years ago, you know, we had a bum leg. You know, we had a bum knee. We we had a bum shoulder. My back hurts. Uh, We were very generic in our statements. Um, And then when we developed microscopes and we began analyzing, uh, we began naming different diseases. We began giving them labels Mm. to the point where we've reached now where the actual label creates the disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You become so fearful of getting that that you actually contract it. And uh, there was years ago, and I need to look up this article, uh, but years ago there was a a scientist who was studying Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, he was absolutely, totally into it. And he was at the top of of his field. And he developed Lou Gehrig's. Now, come on. I think the likelihood that someone whose passion is studying it and and studying people and studying why it happens and so forth, the likelihood that he would be predisposed to develop Lou Gehrig's, I think is pretty much impossible. 
I think it was his intense research, possibly some fear when he talked to people, taking in their fear, being with them as they died, um, that created a very fast-moving Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was dead within six months. Wow. So that um, means the zombie yeah. apocalypse cannot be far off. They're <laughs> <laughs> losing our brains. Yeah. And, and so people, you know, we, we have across the world, we have such a fear effect. And, uh, you know, I, metaphysics looks at as false evidence appearing real. I look at it as forgetting every available resource. And that's really what we have inside of ourselves. Huh. You know, we can choose to be fearful, um, but we can also choose to be in surrender and be in discernment and just kind of look at it and go, well, okay, and that is what it is. Um, there was this great nun that had um, called the office years and years ago, and she had been a nun for 19 years, and she had been diagnosed with uh, stage 3 breast cancer. And she was crying so hard, you know, staff just kind of put her through to me and, and I just uh, got her, you know, take some deep breaths and calm down. And I said, you know, what's going on? And she's like, you know, I've got stage three breast cancer and, you know, I've got too much to do. I don't want to die. And, you know, and she's just sobbing. And I'm like, well, wait, wait. So for 19 years, you've been a nun. So obviously you believe in God and you believe that God has put you on a path. And she's like, absolutely. And I said, so God's thinking about bringing you home and now you're going to argue with him about it. (laughs) And she's like, what? And I said, as far as I'm concerned, you're in a win-win situation and you die, you get to go home. If you live, you get to continue on. So what part of this am I supposed to feel bad about? (laughs) And it's dead silent. And then she just started laughing hysterically. And she's like, that is so true, isn't it? I'm like, it really is. And, and so in working with people, it's really helping them understand that surrendering into what is not never giving up, but surrendering into what is your disease developed because of a density of particles in your body that no longer could sustain the frequency, and therefore erupted, if you will, into a disease pattern. And uh, a lot of times it will go with what you're most fearful of. So that kind of answered my question that I I just had, but it's kind of wrapped around, what about people that, like, how, how do you heal somebody or can you or do you if if they have they have these things wrong with them and they want to be healed like they truly feel like they want to be healed and they want to do whatever they can to stop this pain yet they can't wrap their head around what you're talking about here about um you know whether it's whether it's their past or or that they're not surrendering rendering or they're resisting or this type of type of thing how can you open them up to that for me, it's pretty easy only because of I can see, you know, their body's talking to me. So I right. can see how they're reacting. So depending upon their belief system, um, you know, I'll work within their belief system. If I'm working with a avowed Satanist, I'm going to work within his belief system as an avowed Satanist or an atheist or, or a Christian um, or an Orthodox Jew, whatever the belief system is. Right. And, um, and then as soon as I start speaking to him, if I see the resistance taking place, if I see their body, um, you know, holding its ground and being open, but their mind shut down, then I'll just change tactics 
and I'll become the detective and I'll just say, well, what about this? And what about this? And get them talking and then they can see it for themselves. And as soon as they can see it for themselves, then they're ready to let go of it. Um, but you know, you occasionally have those people who book the appointment. And, um, as soon as I get on the phone with them, I realize that I'm not the, I don't have the toolbox to fit that person, um, or they're not ready. And I'll just say that. And if it's meant to be that they work with somebody else, I'll usually know who I'm going to send them to. And if they're not ready, I'll just say so and refund their money. And, um, and they may protest, um, but I know what I know and I'm not going to give somebody false hope. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard when somebody calls the office, you know, my, one of my sons was executive director for 12 years and, and he's just like, you know, mom, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It's depressing. Um, because if you've got people calling in and, and they're saying, you know, the doctors have given me less than six months to live and I desperately need your help. 80% of the time I need to say to them, your doctors are correct. You will cross within the next six months. Now, how can I help you be at peace? with what's coming. I can take your pain away. That's not a problem. How can I help you be at peace and, and actually, um, not be fearful. And, um, and that's, that's when that job becomes a little rough. Yeah. Yeah. What about if somebody doesn't have, you know, a certain amount of time to live, but, but you don't see their condition healing. I mean, do you, do you help them make peace with that too, that they're going to have to struggle for the rest of their life or. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. You know, I think that it's just being honest. You know, I think my childhood taught me a great deal about honesty and um, and just being honest with that person. You know, it's a wonderful woman who called who um, had um, breast cancer and she had 20 years earlier decided to treat it um, alternatively and uh, naturally. And, uh, you know, it went into remission for a little bit and she never went back and had it checked and and her whole chest was eaten away. And, um, and she said, Oh, you know, I just, I wish I had made a different decision. And I'm like, every breath you take, you're learning something from it. Your soul on the day that you cross will be exactly where it was meant to be. Um, on the day you die, you can't die prematurely and you can't die later. You're going to die on the day that it's meant. And so you had 20, you know, 20 plus years of feeling healthy and having quality of life. Uh, versus quantity of life. And so never regret it. The time is coming. You're going to die. You would have died even if you had gone into the Western um, allopathic path. And that really gave her peace, you know, that she didn't make a mistake, that she didn't screw up, um, that she wasn't leaving her kids and grandchildren early. That, so- that sounds and like... That's true. When you talk like that, though, it sounds like you're talking about a pre-programmed universe or, or pre-programmed like laws of of nature, like almost like soul path versus free will, right? Like, do, do we still have free will, even though, I mean, if it's all, if we're all, everything's predestined and we're, you know, our soul, or we're exactly where we're supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I personally, you know, I, I don't know if I'm right or not, but I personally feel as though we have three or four checkout times. And what happens is our soul and the spark inside of us kind of join together and say, hey, you got your job done? <laughs> no, I haven't got my job done yet. All right, go back and finish up your job. Yeah, I've got it done. And those two pieces uh, merge and, and move on to the next whatever there is. Um, but I really do know 
uh, from my, from, you know, working with as many people and seeing as many people as I have over the world um, is that we are predestined and where free will comes in because people ask that a lot. Wait a minute. I, you know, especially if they're Christians, the Bible tells me I have free will. And I'm like, you do have free will. You can be as happy as you want walking the path you walk, or you can be as miserable as you want walking the path you walk, but you will walk the path, but it's your free will as to how you choose to perceive it. And I think that that's, what's really important is, you know, what I experienced as a child, I would never condone another child going through. However, that experience for me helped make me into the person I am today. All of those um, events took place. And I really love who I am. And that doesn't mean that I don't have things that I need to continue to improve upon. Um, but when we're looking at our life, if we don't like the road we're on, we change our perception and our life changes. People think it's free will in terms of, you know, completely shifting their soul path. That's not true at all. You're just changing your conscious path. Your right. soul is still going towards the same goal. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I always say there's 10,000 different ways to get from point A to point B. Um, and you choose which path you want. You don't like it, change another path. But the soul itself is forever moving towards that end event. Um, you know, the moment the sperm went into the egg, you didn't start life, you started death. And, um, and I view that when we look at death, we're really starting the next life. Huh. That makes sense to me, kind of. I mean, it's, it's, I love that perception thing and how, how, you, uh, how you see it as kind of like part of your free will. Hey, Darren's got a question from the chat room here. Yeah, we got a question from Joe Joker. Uh, she's wondering if, uh, if, if you can treat mental uh, illnesses the same as physical illnesses, like bipolarism, um, Alzheimer's. Borderline personality disorder. Sure. Um, you know, I just worked with a little 11-year-old little uh, recently, um, and I sat for three nights while he was sleeping uh, in his home um, and actually reworked his neurons. Um, he had severe rage to the point where, you know, grabbing knives and chasing his siblings and, and uh, just totally out of control. And, um, you know, after the third day, the parents said, you know, he had, you know, anger, um, but at a normal 11-year-old's anger level, um, that there were no rage, massive rage outbursts. Um, I was working with a guy years ago. His mom had brought him. He was 21 years old, and she had called the office to make an appointment for him and was bringing him in. He was paranoid schizophrenic, and, um, and she said, you know, he's on medication. We haven't had any problems with him. Um, she, I let my staff go. Uh, early that day. So I was in the office alone, which was right next to my home. And uh, in walks this huge guy, you know, six foot six, 300 pounds. And I took one look at his body and realized there was no medication in this guy at all. And um, he sat down and I'm like, where's your mom? <laughs> He's like, she went to get some food. I'm like, okay. So I started talking to him. And within five minutes, I saw his eyes start to glaze over. And, um, and I knew I was in trouble. I knew he was, you know, sexually violent when he went into a schizophrenic state and he reached out and he grabbed my right breast and he literally just started twisting it off my body and my energy just spiked. And I knew that if I let it go, 
I probably wasn't going to just blast him across the room. I thought there was a high probability that I would kill him with that kind of a blast. I was so scared and I was in so much pain and I had to talk him through bringing him back into lucidity while he was, while he was uh, trying to rip my breast off. And, and just as I brought him back, my sons became aware that something was wrong and they came running over and my guys are, you know, six, two, six, three, and they came bolting through the door and I'm just detaching this guy and I'm looking at my sons going, guys, you want to just go sit in the office for a minute and just kind of wait for me? And they're like, yeah. And so, um, you know, his mom came and I had quite a talk with her and he and I worked more, two more times and I continue to rework his neurons. I talked to him by phone. <laughs> I wouldn't see him in person again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a state trooper in Maryland, never had another event, never needed medication. Um, huh. So a lot of times, no matter what it is, um, you can readjust the neurons. When we look at autistic children, um, so much of the time, um, their souls aren't fully seated. Uh, for whatever reason, they come in and the souls aren't fully in place. And, and so the neurological system isn't in play. And as soon as you tap them down back into position, then the neurons fire up and then, and then they're fine. Um, and that's not every case. Um, I've had some children with, with autism that it was clear that that was the soul path that they were meant to experience, that the soul was, was where it needed to be. Um, just consciously, the lesson was for everyone else around them. Is that this, what you're talking about in the book called soul fragmentation? Or is that something different? Well, it can, it's something different. Soul fragmentation um, takes place when there's trauma. Um, if, if I say to, to anybody listening out there, do you feel as though there's a piece of you missing? And they say yes. Um, typically, it will be a fragment of their soul, of a trauma that took place during their lifetime. And it doesn't have to be a horrific trauma, um, but it's enough to make the soul uh, break off and go into hiding within the body. When we look at multiple personalities, they're soul fragments, and they take the origin of a male or female according to the hormonal strength of the body at that given moment, um, if they take on personalities. Um, and it's a, it's a process of just shifting the frequency again, asking them what color do you need to take the fragments back to the soul. And mm. you'll literally feel a click or hear a little click as they go into place. And all of a sudden, you know, you see the eyes of a three-year-old coming through. And uh, people will get, you know, I've seen 50-year-olds just get, you know, want to climb trees in the middle of the night and have a pillow fight um, when their fragment went back in. Wow. So, so do you, th- do you yeah. think f- soul fragments could be responsible for hauntings or ghost sightings? Like if somebody passes and they're, fragment- they're still fragmented? I've seen fragments um, from, um, you know, earlier times, centuries earlier, um, affect um, a lifetime now. Um, But most of the time when we're looking at, when we're looking at ghosts, for example, um, you know, there's always been the story of the ghost in Lincoln's bedroom. You know, people have seen a woman carrying a, a pail and many people see it. And, you know, for me, it's just a rerun. It's just a movie. Every place you've ever walked, think about this. Every place you've ever walked in your life, there is a 
memory. There's a frequency memory of you passing through there. So if somebody sees a ghost and they're seeing a repetitive motion in the ghost, then all they're doing is watching a movie. They're watching the frequency. Their frequency matches up with the movie because there's movies everywhere. Their frequency matches up with that particular movie. When you get a situation where you actually get movement um, of, you know, dishes or, or, you know, paranormal activity, then typically you have the frequency um, of someone in the house. It's the frequency of that um, of that memory that heightens it. In fact, it comes in and kind of bumps it up into making things move. Um, I had a neighbor on my lake who, um, he was a contractor and he and his wife would sit at the dining room table with their two sons and dishes would just start moving across the counter and fall and um, mirrors come off the wall and they didn't know anything about this stuff and they hired a woman to come in you know after talking to people and doing research and they had a woman come in and you know do um, sage and sweet grass and you know affirmations and light candles and everything and um, after after she left um, it still occurred so we were at a neighborhood party and they, they said, you know, somebody said we should talk to you about this. And I'm like, what's going on? And they explained. And I said, well, I'll be down at five o'clock tomorrow, have a Bloody Mary ready and I'll take care of it. And so we were sitting at the dining room table having a drink and, and the guy looked at me and he's like, so when are you going to do something? I said, I already did. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, your son, your 16 year old is the same frequency of the 16 year old boy who died in this house. Oh, wow. And and so what's happening is he's seeing the you know uh, head of this kid, um, and it's freaking him out. And I said because they have the same frequency, then the the vibration of this 16 year old is coming back alive, so to speak. And um, and he said, well, what do we do about it? And I said, I already did it. And he said, what'd you do? And I said, I changed the frequency of the house. All I need to do is change the frequency of the walls just by sitting here and and sending my frequency in was enough to dissipate the frequency between the son and the and the boy who had lived there before and who who had passed on. Uh. And so, you know, we want to make it into <clears throat> some major movements or, you know, major big drama things to do. Um, but it's really going back to the particles. It's really going back to the basics. And I've only encountered one, um, what I considered to be um, something that was strong enough to take form. And I had actually walked in the front door of my house and um, I could feel something behind me and it almost felt like a Neanderthal, that kind of frequency. And um, I was literally picked up and thrown 30 feet across the room and uh, had had claw marks um, in my thighs and was bleeding. Um, and I just immediately found myself going into tongues, didn't know, have any idea what I was saying, um, and kind of doing a movement and a cutting motion. And that was the last I ever felt of it. Huh. So I don't have any clue what that was. That was far beyond what, what I understood. So... I want to, I do want to ask you about this color works again cuz talking about shifting frequencies and stuff like that. So so if you if I've got something that I want to uh fix, I guess, or look after and I ask what color do I need to fix this thing? Like how how can you explain you, that a little bit more about how that would work with people? Would you mind if I used you as an example? Uh, use Joey's back. Yeah. Or uh sure. 
Um, we've got a, a guy yep. here, jo Joey. He's got a sore back. Um, we could use him okay. as an example. Okay. Okay, but we'll have fine. to we'll have to just kind of introduce you guys and get him to say something here. Welcome, producer Joe. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on. I don't think his mic's on. Hang on a sec. Hi. Hey, sorry. Hi. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay. So, so typically, do you find yourself with low back? issues Joe yeah yeah very low. yeah okay right above the pelvis. okay so mm -hmm. so what typically happens down there is we we tend to store rage or hatred within the spinal column and and it's not that we're rageful hateful people it's just every once in a while we just take so much guff that we finally lose it and we lose it fast and we lose it hard and the rest of the time we're pretty pretty laid back and approachable. Um, but every once in a while, if you get really upset, it just sticks. So what I see is about L4 is actually where, where the congestion is in your spine. And that's kind of at waistband area. So what I'm going to do just for a second is have you say, what color do I need? Um, and we're going to use frustration because it's not really to the point of rage, I don't think, with you. So we're going to use frustration and resentment. So what I'd like you to do just for a minute is just close your eyes and ask your body, what color do I need to remove the frustration and resentment from L4? And just give me the first color that you perceive. You can hear it, feel it, trust it, or see it, whatever. Orange. Orange? Oh, you okay. have to say it. So what I want you to <laughs> so what I want you to do is breathe in through your nose and just bring it up through the bottom of your feet, up, up your spine, and out through the top of your head. And the colors are going to change. And what people need to understand is in my world, there's no such thing as emotion and color. You're simply looking for a frequency. If so if black, brown, orange, reds come in, those are all heavy-duty frequencies that will get in there and literally shake the cells loose. So if you just, Joe, would breathe that for a few minutes, and I'm just going to push. I'm going to push gently so I don't blow the equipment. Um, but I'll just, just push a little slow. In just a couple of minutes, the area that really is L4, you know, for your back, but where you're really holding stuff is uh, within, the, within the liver itself. And it's just kind of shot a tendril down to L4. So I'm going to kind of push at the liver at the same time, just for a few minutes. And you really don't need much. I don't know if... if um, you guys are, are sensing um, in terms of feeling frequency, um, but everybody should be feeling this at this point because if anybody listening either in the chat room right now or will listen to this in archives, if they have any kind of spinal uh, column issue in L4 and the liver issue, they're going to be getting the same frequency as they listen to the show. It never goes away. Well, it's interesting how... That's where your uh, sacral chakra is, right? Like the orange is the color of that chakra, which is around that area, right? Which is around that area. It's a little yeah. bit lower than that. 
um, but we're literally working on the inside and the subtle energy in the cells instead of the chakra uh, system itself. So if Joe could just um, maybe if it's um, feasible to get up and walk around for just a minute or two and then close your eyes and take an assessment of how you feel emotionally and physically and then come on back. You always want to, when you're adjusting particles inside the body, you always want to get up and walk around and give the particles time to readjust. Um, But it typically takes 30 days, 30 to 45 days to remove an emotion um, that's stored within um, the cells. And that's normally what back pain is related to, you find? Back back pain, from my experience, is usually severe rage and, and hatred. Um, he's got pretty strong frustration and resentment. But like I said, it really is um, originating in the liver for him, um, not so much L4. When we don't pay attention, tendrils get sent out to different parts of our body and disease starts there in order to get our attention. Um, and so, you know, there's a few basics. Allergies are always learned behavior, always. Um, allergies are the easiest things to take care of. I have allergies. Um, and then you have allergies. They're easy because when you have an allergic reaction, you know, you don't sit and think about what was going on emotionally 24 hours prior to the allergic reaction. You go, oh, crap, I just had an allergic reaction. That was awful. And the body goes, okay, I can do that because that's what you just told it to do. Um, And so it's really important for people to sit back and and emotionally look at uh, what was taking place and not go, you know, go to a neutral statement of, hmm, that's interesting. Your body doesn't know what to do with, hmm, that's interesting. So none of your pain receptors or fear receptors start triggering. Um, You really can keep neutral and then analyze what what was setting you off. Because it's not the food or the environment. Oh, I'll have to try that out. That because, makes sense. Yeah, I take pills every, every, almost every day for my allergies. I think it's to my dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really, and change the frequency of the dog. I mean, you can always you can always be sitting with the dog, and, and you know, if you've got an animal who's ill, um, keep your hands about an inch above the animal and say, you know, what color um, does the animal need in order to heal? And um, because typically it's something going on with you. Animals don't typically get um, conditions um, in terms of illnesses unless there's something going on within the humans of the household. So you always want to look at what's going on. Um, but you could always ask, what, what color do I need to change the dander frequency of the dog um, to remove my allergies? Mm. And uh, just work with it for 30 days. See, because I picture myself, if, if I ask myself that question, I'll see a whole bunch of colors and I won't know which one to pick kind of thing. Like, <laughs> You take all of them. I mean, you know, for me, when I started with the lupus, I had black like for days. And um, I realized that, you know, we, we have such a aversion to black. Um, you know, it's dark or it's evil or whatever. But, but in all reality, the sicker you are, the darker the colors are going to be when you start because um, you're going to need that frequency um, to come in and actually start shaking the cell. And it's really remembering that, that if you've got 100,000 cells that are blocked, which is about the size of a you know, pencil head, um, and you bring color or tone up through, and you remove the emotion from one of those cells, then the whole 
frequency of the mass changes. You've got 99,999 now with a different frequency, and that's why you need a different color. And that's why we don't have the technology yet today um, to do it externally. It really has to be done internally by by individuals themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can assist, and I can certainly assist if I'm told to assist, um, but I think it's important for people to not look at disease as something that's bad. I think for them to look at disease as a wake-up call um, and learn from the experience because good will always come out of bad. Duality has to exist. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't know anything. We wouldn't have any qualifiers for life. So I think that you know when I look at people and I help them and maybe I'll pull some of their issues out, um, I'll only pull 80% because I still want them to have the learning lesson that is necessary for them to continue on their soul path. Hmm. Well, well, Joe's back here, so people are going to want to know how, how he feels. <laughs> How's Joe feeling? <laughs> I don't feel too bad, actually. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Did, did, did you feel um, any slight dizziness, or do you feel a little bit uh, more flexible in the spine? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Like um, when I first got up and started walking, it was it seemed like there was a bit of mm-hmm. an ease in the in the pain that goes down yeah. my leg anyway. Yeah. So what I would do is just ask that question every day for the next thirty days, um, and um, you know, and just don't be concerned about what color or if you see the color or don't see the color. Um, just ask that question: What color do I need um, to remove the frustration and resentment from L four? Okay. And um, just work with that, and your back will um, continue to loosen up and, and become more flexible. And just, again, because the origins are in the liver, um, you know, maybe do a liver cleanse, get a lot of, you know, drink a lot of water um, during the next 30 days, and just um, really pay attention to what's making you frustrated or resentful. Should you say that out loud, or can you, is it good enough to think it? Think it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just think it. Okay. We'll have to run that experiment on Joey and see how he's feeling in a month. Yeah. So can people call, <laughs> can people, uh, are you still open for public, like for people to call you and Skype you? Like, are you still just doing that, doing that sure. for people? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I still am. Okay. And um, yeah, they can just call the office or go to the website and look over the information or just call the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get something scheduled. What's the average uh, time frame of uh, of a of a, a session? Um, usually a half hour. Yeah. You know, we used to talk for ten minutes, and we move color for ten minutes, and I give you homework, and that's it. And um, we have a policy in the office: unless somebody's really facing a serious illness, um, they can only call me three times. That's it. That's max. Um, because my belief is, if I give you the toolkit in order to help yourself and I tell you the areas and show you the areas that need to be worked upon. It's really your homework from that point on that um, I I can't keep taking repeat customers just because they want to know more. Yeah. That's kind Kind of of like, here it is, (laughs) you know, here it is, do it. And um, you know, I'm successful if I only have to talk to you once. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I I like to ask all our, our guests of late, um, is we talk about synchronicities quite a bit on the show. Um, so I like to, to kind of ask what synchronicities mean to, to, to each person and, and maybe some, some synchronicities they've, they've run into along the way. 
I'm assuming you're asking your chat room. No, actually, he's asking you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, what is that? Um, I'm sitting, I'm, I was watching uh, two of the people in the chat room. Um, I think that um, the synchronicities have been um, really profound in terms of when it's time for me to move to my next stage and next level. As my gifts increase, then my personal life has to shift with it in order uh. for them to somewhat balanced. And so the synchronicity for me um, is whether it's a personal shift or, or an energetic shift within my gifts, um, I know the other one's going to shift also. Um, and I never know how. It's typically my gifts increase um, as I continue to clean out my body. And then my personal life increases, um, I should say increases, shifts with it. Um, and so what I have found in the synchronicities of life, all those huge moments where my gift um, changed and grew, um, that me as a woman, um, life kind of um, became, um, you know, I'm an introvert anyways, uh, became much more um, isolating. And um, it was really interesting. This last um, last year, I was in Brazil um, working for three weeks, and I was literally almost in a coma the whole time because I was working so hard. I wasn't lucid enough to be able to eat or drink, and so they had me on IVs, and um, and I knew that my body had taken a, a massive hit. Um, and I came home, and you know, one of my sons was getting married, and you know. I mean, just everything was happening. And what ended up um, ultimately happening was my gift grew tremendously uh, from those three weeks of work in Brazil. Um, my, my capability, uh, you know, a year ago, I never would have been able to go into that 11-year-old boy and, and readjust his neurons the way I did. Um, I wouldn't have had the skill set. Um, but because my gift shifted, my capability shifted and um, I knew that my personal life was going to change. And I had a beautiful, you know, lake house. Um, I love to fish and just go out on the water and just be when I'm not on the road. And um, I knew it was time to leave my house. Um, all three of my sons, um, three of the sons all had babies within a year and a half of each other. And I fly a hundred thousand miles a year. So I'm not home that much. And two of the boys had sold homes and had come up to uh, the Cartersville area. And uh, all three babies were now, you know, an hour and a half away from me. And, um, you know, dating life just ended. And I knew it was time to leave my house and, and move. And I never thought I would move from that place. And uh, a couple that I had known for years who had had a four-month-old baby came over to show me uh, the new baby. And the house literally started singing when they walked in the door. And the guy was like, wow, this house is gorgeous. I would love to live here. And I'm like, yep, let's make a deal. <laughs> and um, I drastically cut the price of the house so that they could afford it. And, um, and right now I'm living in the studio apartment of one of my sons. And everybody's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm on hold. Um, looking at houseboats, I think that I want a houseboat. Um, but what's very clear to me is the gift had accentuated to such an extent. Um, I had 12 family members and, and my closest, two closest friends in the world pass away in the last five months. 
and um, and I realized that everything I really loved was being slowly taken away and that I was getting positioned for another advent in my personal life. So right now I'm kind of on hold. So the synchronicities are always amazing. And I kind of look at them as the observer and in wonder and observation of, of what's going to take place next. Because, you know, people will say, you know, you fall into the biggest barrel of shit and you always come out smelling like a rose. <laughs> and it's like, that's because the barrel was never shit. It was this awesome adventure. And I couldn't wait to figure out how to get to the next stage and get out of it. And, um, and that's kind of where I am right now. It's a very synchronistic moment to have the book released, to have so many losses, to have the people that, that have always had my back be gone um, and, and kind of facing this, you know, certainly with my son's support and their wives and so forth, but um, a totally different experience. So yeah. you, you would it's look just, at that synchronicities, I suppose, almost like the, the ripple before the splash type thing. Absolutely. I, I think it always is. It's always the ripple before the splash. And, um, you know, so much of the time, synchronicities come uh, in tandem and they come very close to each other. And this is one that I feel is going to be two or three months um, in its totality of just kind of watching what's happening. And um, and I'm not anxious about it at all. I'm, I'm not... Uh, um, I'm just not even anxious. It's kind of like, wow, this is interesting because this is the first time I've never had my own space. This is the first time, you know, since I was 12 years old that I've actually lived with people. Um, and, and so for, you know, even though they are my children, um, it's been an interesting, interesting uh, experience to see that and know that it's perfect. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Everything's perfect. And um, I'm just kind of seeing, you know, I'm looking at house blisses like crazy and, you know, running all over the place because I'm a water person and I've always lived on the water. Um, so, but I know that when I find the right thing, then that synchronicity piece, that, that synchronized piece will fall into place and there'll be a splash and I'll know that I'm exactly where I should be. That's kind of funny because uh, we actually have a question in the chat room from from Joe again asking if your if your abilities are increased by water. By you know people people do have a belief in that, and all I can say is if I'm away from water too long, I get exhausted. So I guess I'd have to say yes that I don't know that my gifts are increased. But my sustainability um, in a, you know, as, a, as a person is increased tremendously when I'm near the water. Um, I'm much more at peace. Um, I can block out most of the chatter. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's those little things we never even think about. I mean, we don't think about how, you know, books, books talk like crazy. I mean, have you ever gone into a library and just closed your eyes? Um, or if you have a, a lot of books in your home, just close your eyes and just take a couple of deep breaths because the written word that was written on the books is still chattering and, and still talking. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's water for me is a way to get away from the noise. And uh, so for me, it's comfort. It's, it's incredible comfort and I can handle a lot more. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, you're coming across very honest. There's some comments in the chat room about your genuineness. And that's kind of the feeling I got from from uh, listening to your book through the digital format that I had to choose. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it seems very, very genuine. Like you're not out there to, you know, to, to make a buck or anything. It's just, you, you want to be genuinely helping people. You know, I, I think it's this, I, what I hope people take away is, you know what, I'm just like you. And, and there's nothing that I do that you can't do. Um, you know, I think circumstances, teaching, whatever, whatever my soul path is, is, is here. And, um, you know, we, we do get, we do get some hate mail in the office about, oh, your prices are so ridiculous and you're so expensive. And it's like, well, you know what, if I, if I pull your disease out, I'm going to be vomiting for the next 48 hours. There will be no sleep in my world. So yeah, I, I kind of take that into effect. Um, but I also tithe 60% of what I make. And that allows me to, to be able to tie it to the, you know, woman in, in Mississippi who can't afford me um, or be able to give to the charities that I want to give to. Um, and I just feel like it's that importantness. Um, you know, I gave away a house years ago, um, uh, the house actually where I was attacked in. Um, you know, there was a family that got burned out and it was getting close to Thanksgiving and they had three little kids and, you know, it was a double wide mobile home and it had only been there three years. And I'm just like, oh, well, I'll just move that. And I called the, you know, mobile home place and I'm like, can you move this? And they're like, well, why would you want to? And I said, because I bought it because it had a dock. I don't really need the house. I need the dock. <laughs> and so the guy's like, are you nuts? And I'm like, I don't think so. But this family got burned down. And he's like, oh, is it relatives? I, I don't know who they are. Um, he's like, you're serious. You're going to give this, you know, $60,000, $70,000 house to these people you don't know. And I'm like, um, yeah, because I need the dock. Why can't people understand? I just need the dock. And he's like, I will donate the moving. And I'm like, awesome. You know, wow. um, but I, I really think that it's, it's, I think there has to be an energy exchange, whether it's monetary, you know, if we get somebody calling the office saying, I really need her, but I can't afford her. Um, when I get on the phone with them, I'll say, you know, what can you do for somebody in your neighborhood? Is there a shut-in you can take a casserole to? Is there, is there an animal shelter nearby that you can go spend some time with the dogs and cats and, and um, give back the half hour that I'm going to give to you? And, um, and they'll go ahead and do that for me. And, uh, but it, it, it's good because it gets to be my choice. Very cool. Well, we'll make sure Joey cuts the, the headquarter back lawn here to, to make up. <laughs> <laughs> he can weed the garden oh, too. Yeah. yeah. So is there anything else you'd like our listeners to, uh, to know about, or we'll, we'll, we're going to link to your book and your uh, website and all that in the show notes. And they can obviously get in touch with you through the website. If they have any, any like, you know, healing that they want or anything like that. Hey, can I use this stuff for my garden? What's can I heal my garden? <laughs> yeah, what what <laughs> color do you need Why to not? make your vegetables grow? That's the yeah, Absolutely. It? Perfect. The the more defined you can be, the more the more definite you can be in your question. If your body's not responding or the garden's not responding, it doesn't understand what you're asking. And so be specific, always be specific. And, um, but you know, I'll, I, I've had kids, I hate to admit it, but, but, you know, teenagers of parents that I know who do color works. Um, one kid was picked up for, um, a possible DUI and, uh, he said he got in the back of the patrol car, um, to be taken to the station and he literally started doing his color works. 
And uh, by the time he got to the station, he didn't register anything. And I just thought, oh, what a crazy, crazy, crazy way of using it. And he's like, I learned my lesson. He's like, I learned my lesson. I will always use ColorWorks and I'm not going to drink again. And I'm like, okay, that's a good combination. Um, but you can use ColorWorks for anything, no matter what's going on. And I really want people to understand they can bring things in. They can bring confidence in. They can bring joy in. They can bring security in. Um, you know, they can bring those things in, the happiness, the laughter, um, and, and bring things into your life using color works. Uh, it's not just about taking things out. Yes, you need to be aware, but you can, you can bring in the happiness and the confidence, whether you're at work and you're stressed out at work, take two minutes, go into the restroom, go to a quiet place. What color do I need to be calm and relaxed? What color do I need to be focused? What color do I need to pass this test? Um, and utilize it because all it's doing is shifting the frequencies of that, which you already know. Huh. So watch and your, your perception and, and watch your words. Okay. And your book goes yeah. into a lot of that too. And, yeah. and, and I got to yeah. mention the Grimerica show does not condone using color works to sober up so you can drive home. <laughs> no, this is true. This is true. But yeah, but we'll, at least it, yeah. We'll, we'll give that a shot though. And, uh, yeah, Pat in the chat room just says you sold a book with that uh, last little <laughs> statement. So. Take it easy, oh, Pat. Oh, I knew there was somebody in there that needed that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, goodness. No, yeah. this will go uh, This will go around the world now. We've got like over 100 countries uh, listening to this. So, uh, you know, hopefully you see some interest there from people. Wonderful. I so appreciate it. And I appreciate the time in, in being on. Welcome back to the Grime America Show. That was our chat with Patty Conklin, and intuitive healer, medical intuitive. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one, as usual. Yeah, she was good, eh? Yeah, yeah, caught, a, caught me off guard. I was expecting, you know, kind of more of the same, sort of, but it's, it seems like all these healing people sort of have their own twist on things. Yeah, and definitely. Joey's back's been better, too, right? Uh, I actually, uh, yeah, and I... I've already um, had somebody else call Patty, my girlfriend, for some some healing. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you talking to the mic abreast of that. Abreast? Yeah. You're gonna keep me abreast. I like it. Yeah, that was a good one. And uh, like I say, Joey's. It's well, we're doing this now about three weeks after the interview. I think two to three weeks. And Joey uh, is playing baseball and golfing, and his back's been feeling a lot better. And he's noticing the pain is more in his knee and his foot now. So really? maybe he just has to start concentrating on that. Well, I mean, he's been going to the doctor and shit too. But is he, he doing his color works? Is he doing his homework? Yeah, he does his color works really? every day. Wow, said. that's great. I didn't I haven't talked to him since then. Yeah, my girlfriend's been better too, actually. So this is interesting. We'll see what happens here. Beauty. 
So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the chat. Um, Thanks, Patty. That was great. We had yeah. a lot of good feedback from the chat room too. That was that was cool. Yeah, that was one of the first ones. Again, the chat room is getting more and more popular. Of course, the other thing we wanted to mention, you guys have probably noticed the uh, website's been kind of hit and miss up and down as of late. Um, but we're hoping to get that sorted out. We gotten shit from our provider or from our hoster and everything. Uh, that we've just grown to the size now that we can't get away with the shit we were getting away with before. It's kind of, I think the way I designed the site has some shit to do with it because I'm not really a developer or anything. Um, but luckily, anyway, they've given us a free month of our own private server because uh, the McGowan episode cr crashed it a few times. Um, and we were taking down other websites too, so they were pissed. They sent me a letter from the abuse department. Yeah, but how can they be pissed? It's a good thing. This is what we it's want. It's a good thing for us. not a good thing for them. Well, that it's not a good they, thing for they, the other nine people whose site shut off. Can they give us a warning or something like that? Well, this Say, is hey, the warning. Are, this is the warning, but well, the warning is an automatic warning. Well, they, maybe they weren't, but when it comes from the when the email comes from the guy, the abuse department, it makes it sound <laughs> kind abuse. of fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> but luckily we've got uh, our uh, our ace up the sleeve as usual. Uh, I think we've mentioned him on the show here before. Is that Darnell? Yeah, Wayne Darnell from DarnellDigitalLink.com. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, once again, he's coming to the rescue, uh, and he's having me send him send him some stuff over, and he's going to kind of re redo the site here over the next little while while we're on our free thing, and then we can kind of take it from there to see. Uh, it looks like we're going to be stuck upgrading anyway. I mean, uh, looks things have been good lately. The the numbers have been going up, so it's just like we've got to the point now that we can't get away with uh, a bit of allocated space we had it before. So I mean, it is what it is. It's it's good and bad. It's a mixed blessing. Allocated, you mean? That's what I said. Allocated. Allocated. Word. Yeah, well, I'm fucking British. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, our British friends. So, yeah, so the unfortunately, it looks like that's going to get more expensive. So we have been getting a couple subscribers here and there, but uh, yeah, looks like right now, in, in order to... Uh, in order to pay out our $100 a month that uh, we want to do and cover, just cover expenses here, we need to, we really need to put the push on to that uh, 50 subscriber mark. That would put us at the point that we would cover our costs pretty well exactly mm -hmm. and give away 100 I mean, ideally, we'll get to more of that eventually and we can actually get a bit of a budget going. But I mean, I'd be happy right now with covering the costs and everything else. So, so we're, I think we're at about 12 right now. We need another 38 subscribers. So. Come on, guys. Like um, you see, we were just talking with Expanded Perspectives. I know THC, Mysterious Universe, The Grailian Report, all these shows, great shows. Um, but they're kind of running in the same thing we're running into. Uh, the more popular you get, the fees go up and it starts, co starts costing more money. So that, I mean, that's why they launched these, these plus programs and, and everything else. Um, and we decided from the get-go that wasn't going to be something we are going to do. We never, it's more important to us to spread the word of the guest yeah. as far as possible, as opposed to recording an episode for the 50 people that are, or, or, you know, maybe it's more, we'd have more than that, but either way, we get more reach if we just release all our content free. And, and we don't want advertising either. We don't. And yeah, we're not going to go that route. I mean, we don't really, we're going to, we're not going to have ads regardless. And I don't think we've, we've decided we're never going to do any sort of a plus program or anything like that. Uh, uh, as you guys have noticed, we just kind of pump out kind of extra content when we have it at no extra cost anyway. So, so that's when we decided to go with a 50, 50 money bomb too. So you could subscribe and, and, uh, 
be sort of eligible for that or you can even just send a postcard and you can check out how to do that on the on the website yeah and as always um if you subscribe you get a grammarica email yeah and yeah well that's the other thing too is right gram we want grammar grammarica to be more like a more socialist than capitalist so instead of we're going to take from our listeners that can afford it and it's up to you guys that do have the extra five bucks a month to uh to go ahead and get a subscription on your own accord and and help out for the people that maybe can't afford the five bucks a month yeah the value for value and we it, will end up giving away money money uh to a listener who's eligible exactly we're never going to get anyway, rid of that so. and it'll always be half of what we take in yeah uh we just want to put, put the push on now to try and get to to the richest 50 of you to start giving us five bucks a month and um from there at least we're going from a from a a neutral standpoint and then everything's up right now we're still just trying to struggle up to where we're breaking even right check it out grammarica.ca slash money bomb uh thanks to the reviews we've been getting a few more reviews in the last couple of weeks let's keep them going up those help us jump up the itunes charts and uh and help us get a little more clout all right so so um spam gram like uh like you've been doing synchronicities and feedbacks always appreciated G R A H A M at grammarica.com. And you can tweet Darren at grammarica. Yeah. We'll have to do an extended, uh, we'll have to catch up on all that. We didn't get any of that in this intro. Cause we're talking with the guys from expanded perspectives, of course. So next week we'll have to catch up on some spam yeah. and synchros. Yeah. Hopefully there's some synchros I can tear apart. Yeah. And of course, thanks to Cam and Hale, Kyle for coming on. Cam and Kyle. Cam and Kyle from expanded perspectives. Yeah, yeah, great to have them on. We wish them the best of luck, yeah. and uh, obviously their their numbers are great. It's it's good good news all around. Yeah, it's great to be on this journey with them. Yeah, thanks to Patty Conklin, and thanks and, uh, to. I almost thought you forgot there, buddy. Hey, I'm going to dedicate this one to my sister and her friend, who's a geologist. Because uh, I think my sister will probably listen to this episode. Hey, Joe. And hopefully she'll pass it on to her friend. And uh, this is uh, the UFO quote of the week. It was about 10 o'clock, and we had just set up our equipment after the helicopter left when we saw a silvery object shining in the sun appear over a small ridge below us. It had a flattened outlook, and our first reaction was that it was some kind of Delta Wing aircraft. We soon realized it was not. The object was about 50 feet in diameter, and on top of its dome, there was a little knob. And around the base of the dome, there were circular markings. They might have been some kind of riveting or even windows. They were a bit too small to tell. Below these, on the face of the disc itself, there was large rectangular markings, which could have been glass or metallic. Our impression was that they were windows. As far as we could see, there were three of them. It climbed slowly, then all of a sudden it was off, it shot over the ridge, made a sharp turn without skidding, and was out of sight in about 20 seconds. We figured it had gone about 20 or 25 miles by the time it disappeared. That's from John Hembling, Chief Geologist and Mining Exploration Manager. Witnessed object with another geologist on reconnaissance survey of British Columbia in July 1965. Oh, rivets, eh? We don't even use rivets anymore. Maybe these are high-tech rivets. High-tech rivets. Maybe this is an old, uh, an old uh, Nazi, uh, Nazi bell kind of thing. <laughs>
hanging from a tree. Did the Nazi bell have rivets? I guess back in the 50s, they were probably still riveted in steel and shit. Yeah. Who knows, man? All right. I'll give it to him. Sweet. Who is it? John Hembling, Chief Geologist and Mining Exploration Manager. Yeah, I'll give it to him. Sounds are, sounds sounds are refutable. Good. Yeah. It's another multi multiple witness thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose that's a good note to, uh, to head out on. Uh, thanks for sticking around for this extra long episode. Uh, next week, who are we going to have next? I think, uh, fuck, I'm not even sure. Yeah, we're not sure yet. We've just got a backlog we got to get rid of, so we'll uh, we'll be pushing out episodes every few days, I think, if we can. Yeah, there'll be another episode in a few days, and I think uh, next Friday or in the next week and a half, uh, we're going to try and get our chat with Randall out as well, so we're really looking forward to that one. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you in a couple days.